Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I'm Sam Legasic. And I'm Dreadful Dan Gallagher. And we're two old buddies that have lived our life at the edge of the mainstream. So come join us where things are a little... odd. This is the... of yours will be reduced to a burned out cinder. Hi everyone, welcome to Oddcast Movies, Music and Gaming. I uh, hope everyone's doing well. Today, as with every day on this podcast, I have with me my very special guest, and he's special just because he is special. It's Dan, Dreadful Dan. Hello. Yeah, special through and through. That's what they've always said. <laughs> exactly. It's good Top to have down, you confirm it here for the for the masses. <laughs> and it's special, special to me. <laughs> How you doing? At least. Yeah, good. I'm I'm okay. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I was just enjoying our little uh, chat before we got recording. A few <laughs> things been winding you up lately. <laughs> uh, potentially, uh, potentially this potentially the, uh, subject this, yeah. of, of today's episode. Yeah, yeah. The many really, sense of Newark. Yeah, the many sense of Newark. I've really kind of, I've got, <laughs> I've set the tone already before we even started by just being annoyed. Uh, <laughs> yes, this is uh, this is a very recently released uh, movie uh, based upon the Sopranos TV series, um, Many Saints of Newark. Let's have a listen to it a little bit. When I was a kid, guys like me were brought up to follow codes. Hey, jerk off. What'd you say? What? Antonio Soprano. I wonder if I can talk to you alone for a moment, Mrs. Soprano. On the basis of the Sanford Binet, he's high IQ. You can't prove it by me. He's got a D plus average. 
bum. Tony Soprano is Tony Soprano. <laughs> um, he's, he did well at school. Bum, bum. <laughs> His mother's still a penis. Bum, bum. <laughs> you hit all the right beats on this. That was a great little, I mean, you don't need to watch the film now. It's all there. <laughs> exactly, it is all there. Um, so Dan, before we, before we get into the film itself, Let's talk a little bit about um, the context of which. Now, coming to this film, um, we discussed this beforehand. You haven't seen Sopranos, not a single minute, not a single minute. Do you? Are you aware of what Sopranos is about? Have any idea anything about it? I know it's got a logo with a gun in it. That's true. Generally, about mafia goings on, shenanigans, and the like. Yes. So that's that's good. Did you know anything about this film before you watched it? No, haven't heard a single scrap of information <laughs> about it. So I just plopped out of the blue uh, <laughs> into, your, into my into, into my Netflix <clears throat> and uh yeah, and then into my eyes and into good. my brain and then through my system and out into the toilet. Yes. Out <laughs> the toilet. Yes. Um so I am a big Sopranos fan. It might be my favourite TV series of all time. If if it's not my favourite, it's definitely up there. Um, I watched them all very recently. Okay. So I sat through, there's six series. So the six series is like double the length of episodes of the other ones. But um, yes, yeah, so six, say seven series. Um, when was it broadcast? And so I think it started in 99. And then mm-hmm. it went on till whenever that was, like 2006, 2007, something like that. Um, and it was a big deal at the time. What people sometimes seem to forget is that this uh, is kind of widely, Sopranos is widely seen as the first TV series that brought in the golden age of TV. So where films, uh, nothing wrong with films, but where TV started to get a lot more... Um, it got a lot more serious. It started to get a lot more, um, it looked more filmic. Um, it had, the writing was a better quality. Um, you could do more with it. Cause at that time you just had all like the network shows and sitcoms and things like that. But HBO, um, took a punt basically and, uh, made the Sopranos, which wanted to kind of break all the rules of TV. And if it wasn't for Sopranos, you wouldn't have your, like all those people went on to do other things like, um, you know, Boardwalk Empire, Mad Men, um, you know, you're able to do stuff like, you know, well, you know, Game of Thrones, um, a lot of people went on to do that, etc. So it's, it's kind of seen as like the beckoning in of like real TV, like, um, that, uh, yeah, it's what makes it so popular today, whatever. Um, it's, it's basically Sopranos is about Tony Soprano, who is a mob boss. And essentially it's about his kind of day-to-day life. But the whole kind of initial premise anyway was that he's going to a shrink. So that was kind of like the whole idea. He's right. big, like What happens when the gangster goes to a shrink um, and all this? And he's got his own family, isn't it? His personal family. And then he's got his other family, which obviously the, you know, the mafia and all this. Um, so, yeah. Um, so that's the kind of general premise. Now that all happened. Um, there's, 
and I guess like the one thing that I just want to call out about Sopranos is that the writing is really good. Watching it back, it actually felt more like a comedy than anything else. Like it's actually very funny. There's like a joke in almost every scene um, and the way they talk to each other and all this stuff and the characters and everything. Um, but yeah, it's, it's genuinely exciting. It's great. It's well thought out. Um, and there are uh, cool like abstract stuff. There's like, there's a reason, um, there's reasoning behind every line, every scene and all this. It's not always like apparent. There's like a real deeper kind of thing going on. Um, and so, yeah. So anyway, Love Sopranos, always thought it was really great. So that ended. They've always talked about sequel. James Gandolfini died, who played Tony Soprano. Mm-hmm. And um, so instead they've done a prequel, um, which is about young Tony Soprano. But the main guy is a guy called Dickie Montesanti. Um, Montesanti, uh, have I said that right? Montesanti, sorry, in English, it actually is many saints. That's what um, it's uh, Italian for. So hence, many saints of Newark, Montesanti, blah, blah, blah. Um, and he is Christopher's father, Christopher being one of the main people in Sopranos who looks up to Tony. And Tony treats him like his, like, son and even though they're not related by blood blah 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 it's actually Carmela's cousin whatever and all this stuff but they're all it's all kind of incestuous in that way so this is supposed to be about Dickie Montesanti and the kind of rise of you know who he is because they talk about him during the series uh, what goes on and set against the like race riots basically during the 60s um so that's kind of all I knew about it going in the trailers showed Michael Gandolfini, who's Jim Gandolfini's son, playing young Tony Soprano. And I was like, he looks like him. That's pretty cool. Sounds a bit like him. You know, that would be funny to watch. Um, and then, yeah, and then I watched the film. And in one sentence, I really didn't like it. <laughs> For many, Aww. many, many reasons. But I'm going to go, I will go into that. But I want to know from someone who's not seen Sopranos, someone who's just going to come in and think, okay, I'm just going to watch a gangster film for a couple of hours or whatever. Yeah. What did you think? I I didn't enjoy it. Um, I thought it's 2021. Do we really need another run-of-the-mill gangster film? Why is mm-hmm. America so obsessed with these? Um it really, to me, it was just full of kind of 2D mafiosa characters, um, bland, cliched dialogue that I've heard a hundred times before mm-hmm. in, other, in other similar films. Yeah. Um, so just that, just the premise of that alone made it quite boring. I, did, I sat there and I thought, I mean, this can't be what The Sopranos is like. I imagine there has to be something more going on with that. Um, but here, yeah, it was, it just felt very rote and very run of the mill. Um, mm. then really at the end, I kind of thought a big problem here is that they have failed to tell a story. Yes. Um, so again, you know, I was conscious of the fact that this needs to be kind of understood maybe in the context of the series. Um, but if you don't already have that sort of love interest fandom <laughs> with these characters, 
there's not a lot to kind of latch onto. Are they telling the story, as you said, of this guy, Dickie? Um, because if they are, then they fail to do so, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can go into more detail about about that kind of arc. Yeah. Um, are they telling the story then of Tony Soprano, in mm-hmm. which case he's far too marginalised? Um, and then they also sort of, sort of, you know, like you said, there's the backdrop of the race riots. So they tuck in this kind of story there about this guy who's kind of clawing his way up. Um, mm. But that all feels, again, that feels quite uh, cynical, actually. Like they've just tried to graft that on to uh, <laughs> appease the current climate. Um, yeah. And then it's all kind of framed really strangely with a narrative from a dead guy who you never see uh, mentioned or referenced at all in the film. So he opens it and and closes it. And I was just like, I I was kind of thinking that they could have focused this on the Dickie character and maybe had Tony as the narrator. And that would have been a more straightforward, simple story and let's just follow mm. that. But it was all, yeah, it was just a bit messy and confusing. And um, like I said, no real satisfying kind of character arc for anyone. No real character development. No. So it was just like, here we go. Ba-ba-da. Hum-dum, doobly-bum. <laughs> kind of know <laughs> this is going. Uh, yeah. Some gangsterish, gangsterish mafiosa kind of stuff happens, some of which was mm. fun and entertaining. Um, mm. But yeah, all in all, just not a lot to kind of get excited about. Well, it's, it's, it's extremely forgettable. I, to be honest, I completely 100% agree with everything that you said. And it's interesting to hear um, like an outsider's perspective, because I think part of the problem, um, a big part of the problem is that they were feeling like, well, apparently there were reshoots. And I imagine that it was the studio asking for more fan service. Like bringing mm. more of the characters that we've already seen, hence more young Tony that doesn't go anywhere. And I think that's the main problem is the whole thing. There's multiple, it feels like it should be a prequel TV series or something that they've tried to squeeze in and like nothing goes anywhere. Yeah. Like me and my, me and my wife were sitting there and over halfway through, I'm just like, I'm so bored. I have no idea like what I'm supposed to be like following. Like I don't know what the story is. I don't know what, I don't know what's going on really, to be honest, apart from, this Dickie guy. So apparently as well, like David Chase, who created The Sopranos, I mean, he's fucking, he was old then, he's even older now, um, had a heart attack um, during the making of this and I think had to like step out. Um, And I always thought, it's really weird that he's like said that and then there's part of me that thinks, is it because he realises the film is a bit shit? Um, Because it's like, he's got a fucking you know, he's a smart guy. Like surely he, he was looking at, I don't know. And then who knows? Um, you're saying he, I mean, he faked a heart attack. No, not he faked it. As in like <laughs> the heart attack was real, but as in like you would normally, you normally wouldn't have to have, you, you'd be just endorsing it or saying like I'm involved. But the fact of being like, well, I had a heart attack um, during the pro, it's like, Are you that saying makes he it sound like he's using it. No, he intentionally overexerted himself. At fatty foods. He might have done. He might have done. I mean, that's what Gandolfini did. Um, 
so, just to disassociate know. himself from this project. But he's he's the face of it, so and he's everywhere, like talking about it. Um, okay. so he, you know, like, okay. he must love it. Um, I should say as well, like it's directed by Alan Taylor. I'm not a big, I'm not a big Alan Taylor fan anyway. To be honest, what kind of stuff he done? Well, he uh, he did Sopranos, if I remember rightly, like back in the day. Done a lot of TV, lot of TV. Um, so yeah, he did a few Lost. He did a few Sex and City. I've just got him up on here. He did so. He did one Lost, not a load. He did nine episodes of Sopranos, um, did four episodes of Mad Men. Um, so he's, he did lots and lots of TV. And then he's kind of like his big um, like breakout movie was Thor, The Dark World, which is um, pretty much widely seen as the worst Marvel film um, in the entirety of it. It's Thor 2, basically. It's very serious. It's very boring. It's very drab. Had n- nothing to it. And it kind of, everyone was a little bit worried when that came out. Cause they were like, Oh, um, this is quite early on in the MCU. And they were like, Oh, this isn't very good. Um, but then he went on to do Terminator Genesis. Oh, which Lord. I don't know if you've seen, do you remember? It? And that's the one where John Connor is a Terminator. Do you remember that? Do I remember it? Have I, sorry, is that, the, are you saying that's the fourth or the fifth? Oh mate, I've no idea. It's the one where I think it's the fifth. It's, it might be the fifth. Like, so you had Terminator, when they go, where it's in the future, and it's got Christian Bale. Yeah, Salvation, I think that's called. Yeah, and this was the next one, and this is where you see. Um, yeah, he, he goes back, and it's the whole events of Terminator One again. Yes, but yes, I saw it on the plane. I remember right. now. So he directed that, and I didn't like it, but I remember I found it quite enjoyable to watch, even though I thought this is stupid. Um, yeah. I think that's how I never felt about it. I was like, oh, yeah. here we go, go, blobby. But I was like, oh, it was all right. It was better than, yeah, exactly. I think more enjoyable in some ways than three and four. Yeah, it was stuff happened. There was always something happening, whether it made sense or was any good or not. And then he went on to do seven episodes of Game of Thrones. Um, so he's got a bit of, um, you know, cred behind him. Um, but this was his first film, I believe, since Terminator Genesis. Um, so, God, where do I go from this? I guess, like, should we go into the plot a little? Should we take a break? Go into the plot a bit, discuss what actually happens, and then we can just fucking rip it apart. (laughs) (laughs) How does that sound? That sounds thoroughly enjoyable. All right, let's take a bit of a break. back um so god as you said so the film opens and this is this is right from the very first shot dan right from the very first shot i thought no this isn't gonna go well because it opens out (laughs) opens out on a graveyard and you're hearing these voices and i was like what the hell's going on and then the camera's kind of going through and i'm like oh these are the voices of the dead people from the gravestones what? <laughs> like, okay, these are them all telling their stories like forever. Okay, I just thought you can't have a more made-for-TV movie opening than this. Yeah, it felt like it's, something it, from the Hallmark Channel. Yeah, and that's a very good point. And I remember thinking, this is really lazy. 
Like, and also it's not even, it's not needed. So the whole thing, um, and the, the random guy who, who you're saying is Christopher Moltisanti, who is one of the main characters in Pranos. He, um, is Dickie's son, who's just a baby by the end of the film or whatever, or a toddler, whatever. Um, and one of the things, and this is a big spoiler for Sopranos because it happens in like one of the last episodes that was made, um, is that Tony actually kills him. Um, they're like best buds throughout the whole thing. And then they get in a car crash. Tony's like, this is part of Tony's downfall basically. Um, mm. And he kills Christopher. So there's also that. <clears throat> yeah. So that, that, that being mentioned again, it's like a, well, I thought well, this feels like a bit of a cheap framing device, um, but then it set up an expectation for me. Okay, duh, 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 and he will end up killing me. Okay, great. I know where this oh, story is. Does he say going. that? I can't remember. But... Yeah, he says something like, "Oh, okay. the first time you see him as a little boy, oh, that's my uncle Tony, um, and he he'll you know one day he'll kill me or something." <laughs> right. Okay. In the in the first scene at the docks, that is now. So right, right, right. I'm like, okay basic storytelling narrative you've established you know that's going to be the end point the dramatic conclusion yeah. of this will be the reveal of how that occurs but it's uh right. never you obviously don't see that yeah it's never mentioned again again well that's it right this is another thing where they're just playing to the fans yeah and that's that's why i was just thinking it's like what who is this for like well it's for sopranos fans obviously but um <laughs> if, if you're doing it as like this big standalone movie then why the fuck are you <laughs> opening it with the, you know as you said it just makes it's weird it makes no sense but yeah it opens out on the docks you've got Dickie and Tony and they're kind of acting like a bit like father and son and yeah. this is the thing as well like they it's so exaggerated they're always touching they're always like touching each other or like whatever it's like okay I get it you know it's you don't have to go like overboard with it um and there's a scene later on which I'll come to which is like when Tony's a little bit older played by Michael where the dad comes back and like Dickie's basically like cuddling him almost up against the door frame. You see it in the, tra- the trailer. Yeah. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, leave the man alone. Like, leave the kid alone. Like his dad's just come back as well. He's not even moved. It's like, and you're, it's like you're seducing him. It's really weird. <laughs> it's so strange. Like what is going like, you, all right. Okay. They're close. Like, fuck, leave it alone. <laughs> Don't have to go on about it. So they're at the docks. And then this is when like uh, straight off the cuff, so it's like, oh, okay, yeah. And, and I hate this whole, like, you know, it's like the, the Dickie and Tony thing. It feels like very fake. I mean, it's fake, but like fake Father Summer. It's like, you know, they're always happy. They're always giddy when they're around each other or whatever. Yeah. It's like, oh, God. It doesn't feel like real whatsoever. It feels like a... And that's what, that's the thing with Sopranos. It's even though it was... All of, that was part of, a big part of it is that it it kind of was all about the banal of being a gangster. So all this fucking glossy shit that happens in the film, it's like being a gangster, what, trying to be like fucking Goodfellas or whatever. It's like, you know, yeah, okay. But the reason why we like Sopranos is it felt very gritty and real. Like mm-hmm. Tony walking around in his fucking dressing gown, his hair's all fucked up, like eating whatever shit was coming by. Like all these like little real life, boring parts of it is like what I quite enjoyed about it. And then I see something like this and I'm like, what the fuck is this? It's like a storybook or something. It's like some weird, like, as you said, like Hallmark uh, film 
weird. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like, um, like I said, the, the characters don't feel very fleshed out and then it doesn't feel like they do the work to make you understand these relationships. They're showing you, this is the what we want you to understand about these about their relationship. We're telling yeah, you exactly. that's what they're like. Yeah. Well, this is it as well. It's like, and as you said, there's no, there's no real plot. So like here, okay, Tony, you know, all right, you've got the bit by Christopher, which fuck knows why that's in there really. But, um, and then you've got Tony and Dickie. Okay, cool. They're close. They're like a father, son. Then I don't know if, I can't remember if they say whether they're father, son or not, but obviously they're not, but talk about that. And then, and then you get, you get Ray Liotta stepping off. Um, and he's brought his like young, uh, Italian wife who's like super hot. Um, and they, and he's kind of got this, like the, all of this, by the way, like style wise has this like weird sheen on it. Like this weird color grade that's purposefully like looks cheap because it makes it look like it's, a, it's like, remember the sixties or whatever. And it's got this like sheen on it. And it's like, yeah. Okay. Like again, it's like, that feels like a TV movie. Yeah trope or something like that just the aesthetic of it and i'll kind of come on to that as well as, as you go as you kind of go through um ray liotta was this a makeup job because he looks really bad yeah it's funny because um and this is you know we'll come on kind of come on to later he's got a twin um who looks more like ray liotta but yeah here i was like god he looks really like fat and weird and bloated and everything and i think they have they had used a bit of um a bit of makeup basically okay. Um, for it, I mean, I don't know. I don't know for sure. He's um, really unhealthy. But, yeah, he does it really bad. So I think that's part of it. And then, yeah, so it's like oh, here's this like Italian wife. Um, she doesn't really speak much English. Um, you know, she's great. I'm going to bring her back. And already from the off, you can see like Dickie's like he wants to fuck her. Basically, <laughs> he he looks at her and he's like she's hot, and she's like he's hot. And so you're like, okay, all right. So there's going to be this like weird thing, like this weird rivalry. Um, and that's interesting. I'm, I'm in, I'm in for that. Okay, cool. His dad's brought back some, you know, hot, hot young chick or whatever. And okay, we're setting up that there's going to be a bit of jeopardy that there's like almost like a Shakespearean style, Oedipal almost kind of thing going on here. I'm down yeah. with it. I'm down with that. That's fine. Um, they have dinner and all this stuff. And basically they're like, Hey, it's weird, Dickie. Cause she's like your stepmom. <laughs> And they're like making eyes at each other. And I remember looking at the scene thinking, I've kind of just seen this. Like, I don't know, why am I seeing this again? Like, yeah. it's kind of trying to expand Ray Otto's character a little bit and being like, hey, you were all for the, you were all for fucking fascists, remember, back in the day? He's like, oh yeah, we don't talk about that, whatever. So, okay, um, you know, fine. Um, and yeah, you kind of, you get an inkling of like, Ray Liotta's going to you know, do the right thing or whatever. And then it cuts to um, this scene where they basically, uh, they're chasing this black kid who's part of this gang. Um, I, don't, I don't really know why, um, but yeah, this black guy is chasing this other black kid and then Dickie comes along and he like fucks, up, fucks him up a little bit um, and, they, and they drive off. And then this is your introduction to, I think his name is Harold, is that right? Who is he? Remember I can't remember. I'm going to look. The, the main black guy, yeah, Harold McBrayer. Yeah, Harold, um, okay. So, so I was like, okay, well, here's some gangster stuff, you know. But I was also a bit like, I don't really know what's going on. I thought he was a cop or something to begin with. I was like, oh, why is he chasing him down? Okay, cool, chasing him down. Um, and it's our introduction to Harold. And I was like, okay. Um, and then it cuts like him at home with his, his wife and kid or whatever. And, and they're kind of talking about, 
you know, they talk a little bit about this numbers gambling thing. Yeah. I don't even, I don't even know what it is. I don't even, and they, they explain it a bit like, it's basically like bingo. <laughs> that's how, that's how the Italians took control of New York City. With, Through with, bingo? With bingo, yeah. That's what it sounds like. That's what I mean. That's what I'm watching it going like, what the uh, fuck are they talking? Like, or is this a big deal? It's like, oh, you could go there with like $200 or whatever. And it's like, okay. Um, I mean, so this, like, is, I didn't really... this is my complaint about like what I said about dialogue. It's just like really stock, scratch the surface, kind of like, you know, you, they, they don't go into the detail of anything. They, they don't need to explain it. It's just like some kind of, yeah. But also, like, why are they? It's that thing of like show don't tell. Yeah. Why are you telling me about the game? Show me it. I want to see it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to see what it's about. I don't know. What's that. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Like, just show me what you're talking about, rather than having it. Like, he could be walking through a fucking game, and it it could have got. You know what I mean? It's just like, why are we doing it this way? It's weird. And then it cuts to, and then sorry, gone. I suppose it's. Uh, I suppose it pulls double GT a little bit because it's kind of trying to show, you know, his ambition for his family. You know, at this point, he's like a family man, I suppose. Yeah. And again, it's a little bit of an attempt at a story uh, character arc for him, I think. And Yeah, and that's um, fine. But I'm yeah. like, he could be bringing his kid to it, for yeah. instance, and being like, this is the game. I don't know, like anything. I was just like, I don't, whatever. And then they go to the wedding and this is where... It's basically one big fucking wank fest over old Sopranos characters that you want to see. So you get, so you get Johnny, who's Tony's dad, who's played by John Bethel or whatever. Um, Walking Dead guy, I always think of him as Punisher as well. He's, he's played as, um, you've got Livia who is, um, played by, oh God, what's her name? Vera Farm, Farmy. I don't know what you say, Farmiga, Farmiga, whatever. Um, so, so for context, Livia is Tony, well, Tony's mum, which you probably gathered. Um, and she is like a nasty piece of work. And that's basically kind of what the first couple of seasons of Sopranos is about. The fact that he fucking, his mother's an absolute like cunt, to be honest, to use the best swear word. And you can, and this is cool because she's younger here and you can, and all that stuff which you can blame on her being an old woman in the TV series is all here. It's all very apparent when she's younger. So, I quite enjoyed seeing her. You've got Uncle June. Um, who else? You've got like, I think you see, um, and you're not going to know really who these people are, um, but you see, I think Paulie's there. Um, you see Silvio. Um, you see uh, Fat Pussy. Um, so, and this is a bone of contention for a lot of people. So tell me, tell me what you think. So you've got Fat Pussy, basically, who's the big, who's the big fat kid, basically who I don't even think has a line in the entire film, completely pointless in being it. Yeah. You've got Silvio. Silvio is like, he does this kind of face like, oh, well, yeah. And he, he's the one who's like, hair is coming out. Do you remember? He's uh, like yeah. balding. Yep. Yeah, I remember him. Right. Now, Silvio, played by Stephen Van Sant in Sopranos, V Street Band fame, um, he, that's his thing. He, and, and as I was watching this, I was like, this is a good Silvio impression that I would do down the pub with my mates. <laughs> now, if you asked me to do a younger version of this, I don't think I would do that exact same impression and just be like, look, it's the same, I'm doing it the same way. It'd be more like, well, he's kind of like an old man by that point. And there's an element of like old man mannerisms about it. It's like, 
you can, and a lot of people had a lot of problems with this. I didn't mind it as much as a lot of people, but I did think, I did think it's like he's doing caricature. Okay. Yeah. I can see that. It feels weird. I don't know what you think about it. Like, and the thing is with Sopranos, people forget this, is that Paulie, Silvio, and a lot of the characters in it are a bit caricature-ish. They're a bit weird and they don't feel quite in place. And that's part of like the Sopranos appeal. Um, a little bit. It's kind of got these very strange characters and, and all this. Um, but yeah, what did you think about his kind of performance here, not knowing future Silvio? Um, I thought all of them just came across as sort of doping, recognisable kind of, you know, like heavy types, you know, that would often pop up in this kind of thing. I didn't think, right. they seemed very stock, not particularly interesting. They were fine for a little bit of kind of, I suppose, comedic relief. Yeah. Um, yeah, fair enough. I mean, they weren't really used exten- extensively then throughout the film. They were just kind of there, weren't they, in the background? Yeah. Not doing much, really. No, and that's why it was weird. It's like, it wasn't needed. They added, they added nothing. And that was the thing. It's, as you were saying earlier, it's distracting from yeah. what could have been a very focused and a very tight storyline by having these fucking random nothing scenes with these people in just to be like, remember this guy? Here he yeah. is. It's like, what's that, got, what's, that, what's that got to do with anything? Nothing. Um, it started making me feel like, oh, I've got to do some work here because I need to work out who all these people are in my head. <laughs> yeah, it's, their relationships to each other because I'm starting to at this point brace myself for like a godfather or a goodfellas or something yeah. and I, I always lose the train of like who all these mm. people are so I'm like okay let's try and get these people I'm, I'm doing some work here I'm doing some you know some some mental yeah. gymnastics but well, it's in interesting end, it was all pointless yeah exactly it was all pointless and that's the thing is that they're trying to create almost like an ensemble piece like Sopranos was and it's like, you're not going to do that in two hours. Like yeah. well, you can, you, you can do it, but not to the extent of what you're trying to do in terms of a TV series ish kind of thing. It's like, it's not Ocean's Eleven and no one has, as you said, an arc. No one has a story. No one, but literally no one. Tony, I mean, t- kind of, but not really. Dicky, things happen. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like stuff happens, but it's yeah. not. He doesn't learn. There's no learning experience. There's nothing gained from it. There's nothing. There's no beginning, middle, and end with it. No, and there's also no causality with what happens to him. No, exactly. Yeah, it's not like his. You know, jumping ahead. Spoiler alert. But he meets a bad end. But it's not mm. as a result of something he's he's done. It's not cathartic, or there's no. It's <laughs> mm. no like uh, apotheosis or anything like that. It's actually really stupid. Yeah, and there's and I'll come I'll come to that when we do it because yeah. that relates back to the TV series as well. So that okay. w- what that is, surrounds that is probably the twist for right. the Sopranos fans. Um, yeah. Um, so then you've got his Italian wife. Um, I can't remember her name, but she's uh, learning Italian, uh, learning English. Sorry, um, and. Then you've got, and like Radio is like, oh, this is a waste of money. So you're starting to get an inkling that he's a bit of a dick, basically. And then we yeah. go to Satrioles. Now, Satrioles is staple in Sopranos. It's where, it's where Tony's hangout was. It's either here or the Bing, which is the strip club. 
Um, and yeah, they did a lot of like, did a lot of business, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and you, so you see, and it's one of those things where you're like, you're seeing these recognizable locations from the TV series, but way back when. And, um, yeah, and they have a little bit of banter. Um, they talk about, you know, um, know, just gangster stuff or whatever. And then you've got Harold comes by. Now this is part of this kind of bit I'm going to talk about. It's kind of, kind of sums up the entire film for me. So they've got the Italian wife is standing outside up against her car, right? As Harold and his other mate come in and they're going inside and and he's kind of checking her out. She seems to dig it. Um, And she's standing there, right? And they do this tracking in shot of like her smoking against the car. And I remember, and I was watching that thinking, what's the point? What is she doing? Like, that's the thing with like these, the, in Sopranos at least, is that it was very male dominated. Like the, the wives never went there. This is where they would go to do their work, to hang out, to do whatever. What the fuck is she doing? Why is she A, waiting outside and B, you know, smoking a cigarette, leaning up against the car? The only reason she was there is because they wanted Harold to walk past for one and they wanted to do a cool shot with her up against the car because it looked cool because it's all about the fucking cars and the style and all this. And they wanted that shot and that's why they did it. And that's, that is literally the epitome of style over substance. Um, and this was it here. It was like absolutely, absolutely fucking pointless her being here. They could have thought of a hundred better different ways for Harold to come across her. Um, than what they did here, you can use coincidence. You can, you could just use random fucking like, that's fine. Um, but this idea that she's like hanging around outside whilst what he's eating inside, like, does she go in there then? Cause that's not happened before. And that's not something that they let their wives and other halves do. So I don't know. But anyway, I was like, whatever, post the story. Um, and then I like this thing of like Harold, the whole Harold and Dickie relationship for me should have been the focus for the whole film. It should have been the fact that Harold is like, I don't want to work for the white man anymore. He's, there's the uprising um, and, you know, all the riots going on and he's part and he gets sucked into that and thinks, yeah, you know, fuck these white guys. I'm going to go do my own thing. And then having it because they don't have a bad relationship. And I thought that was quite interesting, their dynamic because he, like Dickie doesn't really give a shit if he's black or white. Like he's just like, he works for him, he gets the money and all this stuff. And I think there's a few comments only in there, but it's not, it's not like a thing. You don't really think of Dickie as like racist or anything. Um, I don't think anyway. And then I thought it'd be quite cool. The fact it's like, okay, it's Dickie versus the guy that worked for him, Harold, and having that kind of gang war kind of going on where they're actually like mates um, and they know each other. Yeah. Circumstances are causing them to divert because Mm. also obviously Dickie's sort of like stepping up a bit. Yeah. That would have been, that would have made sense. Like a modern day Fox and the Hound. Disney classic there. I can't even remember Fox and the Hound. Is it literally that they were friends as kids and then they Uh, grow up and get old and hate each other? Well, one's a fox and one's a hound. Yeah. They love each other as little little pups, a pup and a cub. Yeah. Society dictates as they grow older, they have to come into conflict. Yeah. Well, this is this is it. That's what I was like. If they'd focused on this. I would have, I would have really enjoyed that. I would like to see Harold kind of going up through the ranks, um, trying to do his own thing, 
you know, getting his like, you know, um, mates to kind of help him out, watching like the the movement and all this stuff. Meanwhile, Dickie's like old school Italian mafia. He's trying to, he's got his own problems to fucking sort out as well and all this and just showing the, um, the, the journey of both of them that could perhaps like mirror what each other are kind of going through. And yet they're at, at, at odds with each other. I thought that yeah. could be quite interesting. And Me too. Nowhere. At this, well, yeah, at this point, that's what I kind of start assuming. Okay. This is where we're going. Yeah. And it would have made all of that, um, the, the race riot stuff, it would have made it relevant and meaningful in the film as opposed to feeling like I said, kind of like just sort of tacked in there and almost like, cynical yeah yeah exactly and i think as well like you could have done you could have played with it that it's that there's that um subconscious racism as well that you could have with like someone like dickie who might not be out and out you know calling people whatever but more the 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 quiet racist which is what you know i think a lot of that's kind of going around at the moment which is like i'm not racist but yeah inherent bias yeah, it's that inherent bias. And especially having someone that worked for you now at your level or maybe above or something um, would rub some people the wrong way just because they're black, let alone anything else. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of that inherent racism that's around, especially like, um, you know, it feels like from a British person looking on, I mean, we get it here obviously as well, that, you know, race is like a real thing in America. Like it's a real, I mean, it's always been a problem, but it's in that it feels like that's why they're kind of talking about the race rights because it feels very relevant to stuff that's happened like recently um, with, you know, George Floyd and all that. Um, no doubt about it. I yeah. Don't, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know when this was scripted, but in my opinion, it's a response to that. Well, yeah, but that's the thing is that they don't do anything with it. Yeah, exactly. But what, why, what's the point? Like they've not told, they've not addressed it in any no. way. Um, so anyway, here you get like a young Paulie as well. I think young Paulie is just fucking boring as fuck. Like he doesn't, it's like, oh, he takes care of himself. He does his nails and he likes, you know, and it's like, okay. Who's, who's, young, who's this guy? Young Paulie. He's the one that later on has like a yellow jacket and he's like, oh, it's going to ruin my jacket. I just got this. Right. Yeah. So he's one of, he's one of the, like the, everyone's favorite characters when he gets older. It's paid for Tony Sirico, who was an actual like kind of gangster. Just Itch. another, yeah, just a, another nothing here. Just another stock. A, so it could a, be anyone. He, he felt a bit more uh, like a, a stock Dick Tracy character, though, rather than yeah. a, a good <laughs> a good fella's character. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it did, just fine. Absolutely. Um, and then like, the next bit I thought was quite cool, where they're chasing down this black kid again. I don't know if it's the same one. Um, and he runs into the army recruitment, and he's like, uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do anything. Just sign me up. Just get me over there. Whatever. I need to get over here. And then, um, yeah, Harold comes in with a shotgun and basically just fucking blasts them, just kills them. And I remember thinking, that's, that's Sopranos. That's good. Cause you, it, it shows that he doesn't give a fuck, basically, that he's willing to like, he'll shoot, he'll shoot this guy down and he'll shoot this fucking soldier down. So he doesn't give a fuck. Like, and then it's like, cool. Okay. He's got that killer instinct. It's like, he's a threat. They've shown you that he's a, legitimate threat that it's yeah. not just like all talk and here he is being he chases kid down and he's being nice and whatever and he's doing stuff for Dickie it's like no this guy's like a real he, he means business that was cool yeah. that served a purpose that scene in my head um, and then um, he's having a chat with his wife and his wife's like 
you know, you're, we're never going to get anywhere because we're black or whatever and all this stuff. Um, and they talk about the war and it's like, why the hell would you want to go to war? Like, we're all dying over there. No one gives a fuck, basically. So, yeah, okay. And then this kind of start of the riots, and I don't know if this is true or not, it's basically, um, if this is how it started, um, this white guy tells this black cab driver to go down a one-way street to drop him off. He gets pulled over by the cops, gets beaten the shit out of, um, and this seemingly starts the riots uh, that kind of kick off. Now, this is where it took a turn. And I, for me, like around this point, I was like, okay, where's this, where's this going? Cause Dickie mm. kind of comes across and he's like, Hey, what's going on officer? And then he starts laughing. And as he's trying to like get out, he gets like hit with a brick in his car and stuff. And he's like, Oh man, I'm just going to get the fuck out of here. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. And then I, I remember the music going like, ain't it a kick in the head or whatever. Um, in the next scene in the club, which is a little, uh, little jab there. Um, and he's just like, yeah, look outside. Like, look, it's like everywhere's burning or whatever. The city's burning and all this. And it's like, okay, cool. Um, yeah, I really didn't kind of understand what was going on here. Cause I was just like, why would they be concerned about a, what appears to be a minor, minor kind of essentially a scuffle at this point. It's not like a massive riot, is it? It's, and it's very much in a very specific part of the city. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a bit like, okay, it's just like, oh, this is kind of going on. But we've already kind of seen it. Like, we don't need him to show everyone else. And it's like, okay, you know, but why is that? A, is it a problem? Basically, I don't know. Exactly. That's it. I'm, I'm not clear at this point. Basically, what are their stakes in the city? Why is this a problem for them? Mm. Are they concerned? Are they flippant? I can't exactly. tell. I don't, I don't even know what they do. I honestly don't even know how they're getting their money. Well, they've got their like, bingo game, haven't they? Their that's it. Bingo oh, I know it's about the stupid bingo game. There doesn't seem to be any extortion going on. There's no like, <laughs> there's no like gangster shit happening. They just keep talking about the bingo game. <laughs> later, <laughs> later on, we see racketeering, don't we? So we know they've got that as part of the how do we the set up? Oh, yeah, I'll come, I'll come on to that. Um, and then anyway, at this point, you, this is where you see the real side of Ray Liotta when he kicks his wife down the stairs. And again, like, I like, I like these scenes, not in a sense of like, you know, violence to women or anything like that, but in a sense of like, you know, you, this is the real kind of horrible, evil dark side and you shouldn't let up from that. Like he's a nasty fucking horrible piece of work and they shouldn't shy away from it. Like, okay, he's the, he's the enemy here. He's willing to kick his fucking wife down the stairs. Like he's a piece of shit, um, kind of thing. Yeah, I was just glad it happened because it was like I was waiting for it to happen because they'd mm. made him such a kind of, to me, cookie cutter pantomime kind of villain. He's obviously like really misogynistic, only has her, you know, to be on his arm, doesn't care if she's, if she's heard. So it's kind of like we kind of know where this is going. He's going to be abusive. So I was yeah. like, thank God something's just happened and, and something's going to propel the story now to the yeah, whatever exactly. direction we're going in. Exactly. Uh, yeah, extremely valid point. Um, but unfortunately it doesn't really go anywhere because the next scene you see Johnny get arrested. Now this scene was actually in the Sopranos, but they obviously did it differently. Okay. So this flashback, this was a flashback that Tony had where he saw his father getting arrested at a fairground. The whole point of it is that he was taking Janice to the fairground, his sister, um, and he felt left out, but it was so that she could go play with her mates whilst he had some fucking dodgy shit 
going on in the back. And so he follows them once and he sees his husband, uh, sorry, his dad get arrested. Um, so you actually see that in Sopranos. They've kind of changed a few little details about it, but nothing that, you know, too bothered about or anything. Like, I don't really give a shit. Um, but then, yeah, you see like, um, you see Tony um, like run away and whatever. And it's just like, okay, whatever. It's like, I don't really like, okay, Johnny got arrested. Cool. Like, is that, is that a thing? Is that a problem? Like, okay, I don't really know. And again, it's one of those things where it's like, <clears throat> I saw this in Sopranos. Do I need to, do I need to see it again? Like, is it the fact that he's got arrested? Is that the problem? Couldn't you do another time when he got arrested or, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I was just a bit like, mm-hmm. okay, we're seeing this again. All right, fine. Yeah. And then the scene left me cold as well. I was just like, basically my takeaway is the guy with the horrible mustache got arrested. Yeah. And people are reacting in strange ways to it that I don't quite grasp. And well, I yeah, know, and it's also, I don't know if this is important or if these these people are important. If, and as well, like if I if it was me directing it, I would have done it from another viewpoint. Like we've already seen this from Tony's viewpoint. Also, Tony doesn't even need to see this in theory. Like I know it's like the whole point. And what a part of the point is that he's kind of react. Re- he's reflecting and reacting and absorbing basically like kind of world or this violent world around him. And obviously that was a big deal to Tony when he got older, but it's not obvious to anyone who doesn't know what the fuck Sopranos is about. But like, if he'd done a thing where you see it from Johnny's point of view this time, like taking his daughter in and whatever. And then you realize like, Oh fuck, this is the scene I saw in Sopranos, but now I'm seeing it the other way around or something mm-hmm. like that would have been perhaps more interesting or something like, do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. Yeah, What's especially it, if it's just there for fan service, then that would have been probably more enjoyable, right? Yeah, I, I don't really know. It's, I don't know. It's just weird. And then you've got Harold walking around and he's seeing all the race riots and there's people crying on the streets. All this stuff felt very cheesy to me. It felt like a TV drama. It's so heavy-handed. Yeah, it's really weird. And also, like, I should I should give a quick mention, like, the CG is terrible. So, like, you'll see, like, people smoking. And the cigarette smoke doesn't interact with the environment. It just sits on top of whatever's going on. There's no, it's like 20 years old CG. The fire looks a bit shit as well. Um, And everyone's got so much makeup on. Like you can see, you can literally see all the, all the makeup and the difference sometimes between their neck and their face and how much it's, especially Michael Gandolfini but they have plastered. I don't know if he had bad skin or something. It, hasn't, it doesn't look like in the um, interviews, but they've absolutely, it's like he looks yellow or like he's got jaundice or something like that, especially with the grade on it. It's fucking weird. He looks um, strange. Yeah. In a lot of scenes. And, yeah. If you look closely, just look at the makeup, like Livia as well, where they've tried to do a nose. It's like, doesn't look natural. It looks fucking weird. Um, but watch the smoke, cigarette smoke, because that is such okay. a big, t- it looks so cheap. Um, oh, it's awful. So anyway, then you've got Dickie um, flirts with the stepmother, sees that she's got beaten beaten up a bit. He's not very happy about that, to be honest. She smooches him and he's like, my wife's in there. What the fuck are you doing, basically? Um, and then I was like, okay, this is, you know, this is cool. It reminds me of Goodfellas when, funnily enough, Ray Liotta, finds out that the girl he's seeing got um, hit on or whatever, like um, by her neighbor, who's just nobody. And then he goes and drives the car over and smacks him with the gun. And I was like, that's cool. 
but what happens next is not as cool. Um, he basically confronts his dad in the car. Um, and he's just like, you know, what the fuck are you doing? You know, you used to smack me about, you're smacking her about now. And then in a rage of violence, he basically kills his dad. <laughs> kills this Randy was, this is where I perked up because at this point I was really struggling. Mm. I was just like, I'm just watching a cheap melodrama. Um, and at least this bit of unexpected violence <laughs> got me twitching. Mm. Well, that's it. It's like, it's a big deal. He killed his dad. The problem is, is that when I, when I watched this, I was like, he can't be dead because I've seen the trailer and he's in prison. So I was like, I don't know. What's going. So throughout this whole bit, I was just like expecting him to like get back up or Pop something. Up. But, but, but yeah, he's not. He's very, he's very hey. much dead. Yeah, just exactly. Kidding. That's kind of, yeah, exactly. Just kidding. Just kidding, Fenner. And Tony's like playing ball or whatever. And Dickie's yeah. just a bit like, can you just fuck off? Yeah. <laughs> that was quite funny. This, this little scene was quite, I mean, it was, it was, it was absurd. Uh, yeah. Because it was so, it was so unexpected. Um, yeah. But that was quite, I quite liked how it escalated because he goes in there, I think, meaning to um, confront him about what's happened. Mm. And he loses his temper because he says, oh, you used to do this to my mother. And I think yeah. Ray Liotta's character says something like, oh, I've got a, I seem to have a habit of like marrying sluts or something. Yeah, exactly. It's like yeah, really vile. And that's it. He just loses his temper, pops him in the face. And then he just will not stop smashing his face into mm. the steering wheel. And it's almost mm. at the point where you can kind of see his head is like, it's Complex. not bouncing off the steering, steering wheel anymore. It's like the, the so wheel just, is getting in, embedded in his <laughs> forehead. Yeah. Um, so I, again, just I suddenly, I, at least this is something happening. A bit of yeah. hyper-violence is quite entertaining. So. Um, yeah, and then, yeah exactly. a little skit with Tony, like, can I come in? <laughs> can I watch you working on the car? Yeah. Um, so get out of here. But yeah. well, that's it. And it's like, again, Tony's kind of absorbing it, but he doesn't, but I was a bit like, he doesn't really know what's going on apart from that Dickie's just being a bit of a dick basically to him. So yeah. that wouldn't necessarily have like a, vi- like, you know what I mean? Like a violent nice. impact on him. But what I like is like you got the wife saying, "Oh, do you want meatloaf or whatever out there or pork or whatever?" Um, and I was like, oh, yeah. "This feels very Sopranos, where it's like high drama and something you know visceral mixed with something actually quite boring and banal mm-hmm. and the reality of like day to day life that kind yeah. of mixes in with it." Um, but yeah, and then anyway, he basically takes the uh, takes the car. Um, gets rid of the body, sets it on fire in pretty, pretty, if you see, this is another scene when he walks out of the place and it blows up, it looks fucking awful. Yeah. The CG here just looks absolutely terrible. It blows up. But anyway, he's got rid of his, um, got rid of his dad. He's been burnt alive. Um, they have a wake and then this, this wake thing is quite cool. Cause, um, you start seeing, uh, like Livia makes a few comments. Um, you start seeing the classic, they do this a lot in Sopranos at Wakes where the guys will just stand around and talk and fuck about or whatever. Um, you can see he's making eyes at his like widowed stepmother yeah. um, who's basically killed someone for. And I think she knows, I think that's part of it is that she knows that he, he's something to do with it. Um, yeah. She probably gets off on that. I um, mean, she's, she's bad news really. 
And then you've got, um, so this is where you've got Uncle June, who is the guy in glasses. Um, <clears throat> and he's like, it's weird because he's a big part of Sopranos. But he kind of dips in and out a lot here. Um, and I don't, it doesn't really, be, it's like, I don't even really know why he's in it this much because he's not really adding anything to it until near the end. And it's like, oh, okay. And we'll kind of, we'll kind of get to that. But um, again, he's not really established very well. He, I kind of took him to be like a kind of, um, uh, who's the guy who's like the accountant in the, uh, the Godfather. Uh, you know, there's like a yeah. brother who's kind of like, he's a bit, he's a bit more straight than the others. And he's kind of yeah, like the straight I mean, it's man. A, it's like yeah. the money guy. It's kind of that kind of character, isn't it? Where it's like the others kind of, he, he seems a bit more straight laced than the others. Maybe not so like alpha male. He's a bit like the putz. So yeah. he's just kind of there in and out, a bit vague. Again, like I said, kind of a bit, feels like a bit of a cliche character, not all that well drawn. And he's just. Well, that's it. In Sopranos, he, his whole thing is when he's, he's obviously really old. He's Tony's uncle is that he wants to be the head of the gang. He wants to be the boss. And Tony's like, all right, you can be the boss because secretly he wants Junior to be the boss so he gets all the heat when really Tony's actually running things. Yeah. So, um, but Junior is so um, insecure and so basically he just feels emasculated. He's very petty um, and all this stuff that that kind of syncs with this younger version of him that is also very insecure, doesn't like being laughed at, um, doesn't like feeling emasculated, but it's, I feel like it's never built on enough that that becomes apparent as to why he did it. As you said, there's not enough depth given to that character that sets it up for something like that to happen. It should have been much more apparent. They should have built on it more because it's like, well, is it so, is he the secret like insurgent basically? Um, it's weird. It's weird. Well, should we and say again, what happens? Uh, yeah, got them. Yeah, you said so. Yeah, so from this sort of sense that he's he's got that kind of insecurity, I think the next time we see him in a significant scene is when he's with his brother who's just come out of jail, and they're driving mm. around, and he's kind of saying to him, "How did you let this happen?" This a black, black person that's in yeah. on the street. And he's like, what am I going to do about that? And he's like, well, you know, you're going to look after stuff while I'm away. So there's a little bit of that again, kind of like maybe a little bit of a chip on his shoulder that he's yeah. being treated like that. But again, it's not... It's no, not he's well. supposed to look after Tony a bit as well. And Livia yeah. is just like, he doesn't listen to Junior. Like, he doesn't know what Junior's talking about half the time. He listens to you, Dickie. Is that, but also the big one is that he slips and does his back in. Yeah, that's the big one. But again, and then that just felt so uh, arbitrary. You know, it's not like a natural kind of thing that's come out of, you know, real drama and conflict conversation. Mm. It's like, <laughs> just throw the scene in. Like he slips and Dickie laughs at him. Yeah. So there's a, there is a Sopranos reason for that as well, okay. which is that in the TV series, one of the big, th- like Melfi asks Tony, what's, uh, what's a good memory you have of your mother? And he has trouble thinking of one. The one he thinks of is when his um, dad fell down some stairs and Livia laughed. And that's his one happy memory of his mother. 
And it's obviously indicative of the fact that she is nasty, that that's the only time you can think of as a happy memory when actually it's her being nasty. And later on, when Tony slips down the stairs and Olivia laughs, and that really gets to him, um, and that becomes a that sticks in his head for ages. So the idea that June slips down the stairs and Dickie laughs kind of is mirroring that a little bit, but it also right. doesn't, um, but yeah, it's not given enough gravitas basically. Exactly. Also, I was like, it's a bit out of character for Dickie to laugh. Like, yeah, it just comes out of nowhere. You're like, and because yeah. it's so unnatural, it obviously draws your attention. It's mm. like, okay, this is going to be something at some point. Because it just seems so absurd that they focus on this weird little thing mm. with characters acting out of turn. So, yeah. so then, like, we see him with a some sort of like back brace thing trying That's to right. have sex, and he can't. He can't. Mm. And then she's like, any excuse, any excuse not to have sex, whatever. So again, yeah. it's that kind of emasculating kind of thing, and and again, like. June has trouble with that in Sopranos as well. And there's also one thing is when he actually slips and at another point during the film, he says, Oh, your sister's cunt as a thing. Now, the reason reason why they said that is because in the Sopranos, he falls in the bath having a shower and he says, your sister's cunt. But the way it's performed is that, you know, like if you stub your toe, you swear, but sometimes you just, you can't get the words out and it becomes something fucking weird. Um, It's more like that in this. It's like, Here's his catchphrase. Yeah. And it's like, it's not his catchphrase. Like he said it, it was performed as if like, it's like, oh, you're fucking like raspberry dickheaded motherfucking shit snowfield or something like that. Like, you know, just like some fucking words that kind of spew out in the <laughs> annoyance and frustration of it all. Not like he always says, my your sister's gun. That's who he is. Cause you remember him saying that. Right, guys. That's so cheap. Uh, he does it twice. He does it twice in the uh, movie, and he does it once in the entire fucking eighty-six episodes of Sopranos. He does it once, and he does it twice in this movie. Uh, right Fuck's sake, stupid. Anyway, when they go back to the funeral of Ray Liotta, Tony sees Dicky trashing the TV, and I thought that's fucking rude. Like, yeah, I'd fucking kick the TV in. Yeah, at your dad's funeral. All right, you killed him. Your dad's your dad's funeral, and everyone's just sitting around watching TV in the other room. So, yeah. And then like Tony's like looking at it and he's all like, oh, and they have a little look. But I'm just thinking, yeah, I would do, I would do that in front of my daughter. I wouldn't be like, it's going to mess her up for life. I'd be like, <laughs> what the fuck are you watching a TV? Yeah. Weirdos. Um, stupid. Anyway, Johnny goes, Johnny goes down to jail. Um, and I love, there's, a, there's one little bit, which I did love, which is when Livia is like, oh my God, or whatever in the back. Oh. And Johnny just rolls his eyes like, like, what a fucking drama queen. Jeez. Um, I thought that was quite funny. And then you've got this next bit where Dickie sits down with his uncle. Right, yes. He's Ray Liotta. He's a twin, and they don't really talk about that. And the only reason, the only reason I could see why his character, why these things even exist, is because they have not written in a character that Dickie can confide to. They wanted a Dr. Melfi, the psychiatrist and Tony Soprano-esque thing part of it, where it's like, this is kind of what's going on in his head. This is how he sells it to himself. And they wanted something like that. So they put this in. Yeah. And I was just like, this is fucking weird. It's like, and this is the only time when 
it's Dickie kind of giving his somewhat, you know, his thoughts, but they're somewhat shielded. Um, like he's not just going to just turn around and say, yeah, I killed your brother. Though it seems like Radio kind of seems to think that's the case anyway. He's not stupid. Yeah, he figures it out. Um, no. Is he real? Okay, good good question. And I read a lot about this. And um, it's, yeah, it's take it or leave it. Like David Chase is, does this kind of stuff. Um, and there, apparently there's a bit later on, and I missed this, where he's not there or something at one yeah. point. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like, did he ever exist? Yeah, you see, he's thinking, I think they do like a bit of a flashback montage. And when they come back from it, Dickie's just sitting there alone at the table in the uh, visiting room at the, at the prison. So, yeah. I was kind of like, yeah, I, that, that my, my feeling was he's not meant to be a real. And it's, it's like he's summoned up basically. For his father, yeah, because yeah. he is actually laden with guilt. Yeah, um, and that makes sense. So but it's kind of like he's like, asking, and he, you know, he's asking for forgiveness. Yeah, he's like, I'm trying to do all these good things. Like, was it manage the blind baseball team? And uh, yeah, exactly. That bit was weird. But everything he tries to do, he kind of pushes it back and says, "I don't want it. I don't want it." And all he mm. will accept is uh, Miles Davis' birth of the call, which was I thought yeah. was kind of cool. That was quite good fun. And he brings him, he brings him birth of the call, and he brings in this other record that he's like, take that away. And I was like, I'm going to look that up. That record. Right. Um, I thought that'd be a fun thing to talk about on the episode. But I, uh, <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> oh shit. Okay. Or maybe maybe another maybe another time. <laughs> um, but yeah, like as, yeah, and um, and yeah, I agree. It, it's it's also like at one point he goes, I killed a made guy and I deserve to be here whatever. And so is Dickie. That's exactly what Dickie's just done. He's killed his dad yeah. who was made, you presume. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this is, and he should be in there, but he's not, and he's not willing to like, you know, own up to it. But yeah, these scenes were a bit strange, but he kind of gives this, this advice. Um, these like, you know, little tidbits of like, Zen like wisdom, um, which you know, it's kind of fine, don't mind that. And then you see that he's basically got together with his um stepmom, yeah, and they don't really do anything around that. It's just all of a sudden they've, they've bought a house or whatever. Um, yeah. and it's like, okay, I guess that's a that's a thing. Um, so I'm like, I feel like there should have been a midpoint here or something or like a point where they were like should we shouldn't we shall we like make it a little bit more rather than like so we're buying a house let's have sex and it's like okay like there's no this is just stuff happening again it's like here's the next stage in stuff happening because we need to kind of get you through this Uh, i was just like i don't (sighs) i don't know it's very no i agree all these that all comes the pacing is really strange and and it's confusing because then i think we jump back not jump back, but sorry, the next next scene, a little bit later on, he is with his wife in the car. Mm. And it's quite confusing as to, are they having an illicit affair or is it kind of out in the open and people know about it? Mm. And she's yeah, it's a- known to his wife. Because then again, he's talking about, I want to have a kid. and uh, I, I, Yeah. Yeah, well, that's it. These guys have like gumars, which are basically mistresses that the wives basically really know about. Um, but yeah, it's never clear whether 
it's never said that she's his guma or anything like that, as in like a socially acceptable mistress, um, or whether that would be frowned upon because obviously it's his dad's widow. So you'd think that no matter, you know, the, the mafia would probably have a problem with that anyway. Yeah, well, know. this was another thing I'm, I'm thinking in the back of my mind. Is the story at this point going to be like a bit of like a crime and punishment kind of thing where it's all about now his guilt and he's going to be unraveling and they're going to work it out that he did it because he's getting mm. too close to this, this woman and they're going to put two and two together and go, that's a bit weird. Yeah, but also like, who's who's they as well? Well, Who's who's the antagonist? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that that guy isn't going to care. Harold isn't going to care, is he? Like, who the fuck? Like, I don't know who the bad guy is supposed to be. That's a good point. Yeah, it's bad guy. Who's the? (laughs) Who's going to hold that guy to account? Yeah, exactly. It's it's only this only this fake version of his dad that he's conjured up. Yeah, but he's like in jail and he doesn't give a shit and he kind of yeah. sounds like he's figured out that he's killed his dad anyway. Yeah. Um, he's not, he won't let him off the hook, that's the point. Yeah. Like you say, he kind of goads him by saying, I killed a maid ban. But mm. fully aware, I think, that he's killed his dad. Yeah, well, as well, like later on, he's like, oh, a lot of people seem to die around you, don't they? It's like, ooh, yeah. yeah. Ooh, but even again, this, this isn't what then gets probed because it's not about now his guilt racking him and that, that leads to his downfall. That's just not really followed up on. Yeah, by and by. Exactly. It's and that's what that's, the, that's the motto for this film for the uh, the, <laughs> the scripting. Yeah. Why it did is, that happen? Yeah. Just by the by. Just because it needed. Just because we wanted to shoot some stuff. Um, and then you've got Tony having his own little scam, his own version of bingo, <laughs> going on at the school, and it's like, <laughs> it's like, oh, um, okay. Uh, and you find out he gets in trouble and that's when Dickie comes up and he's like, what the fuck are you doing this for? Like, you know, this is stupid. You've got to like try at school. You could actually, you know, do something. And then he has this little pinky promise, which comes into, you know, thingy later. And the thing is, I can't even remember what the promise was about. Was that he was going to like... Promise to do well in school. Keep out of trouble. Yeah. Keep out of trouble. Um, Okay, good. I'm glad you told me because I was just like, because when it came up at the end, I was like, Oh yeah, what is that? What is that pinky promise actually for? Because I I can't remember. It was meant to be imbued um, with all this meaning, right? Yeah, and I totally like when it happened at the end. I was like, oh yeah, they did that once, but why? Why did they do that? <laughs> like, I can't remember. Is it supposed to be a big deal? All right, just like be a good, uh, be a good lad. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then the next bit, you got a classic. Like here they are at the club. See Seal and his hair's going, and there's June, and they have a little like. Um, uh, Dicky like takes the piss out of June a bit, I think, if I remember rightly. Um, and then Harold comes in and he's a little bit like he's now been because he's seen some of the riots and stuff, he's a little bit he's coming in with a little bit more attitude. And Dicky's like, radicalized. Yeah, like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, why are you acting like this? And he's just like, oh man, I'm just gonna get the shit fuck out of here. I just need some money, or whatever. He's like, okay, here's a bit of cash, like, whatever. Basically, like, I'm not gonna ask for it back. You do what you want with it. Um, but yeah, he notices again that his wife is kind of looking at Harold and all this stuff. And that's the thing as well. It's like, there's no, all it is is glancing looks. Like they don't never interact with each other. And is it just that she fancies him? Because then this whole time I'm thinking, I don't want Dickie and her to be together because it, 
to be honest, she's like, it's not like she's in love with Dickie. Like she doesn't really give a fuck. And you're like, if Dickie's supposed to be the hero, then you're like, you'd be like, don't waste your time with her. But if she's supposed to be like the love of his life and they're supposed to be together. So again, I'm like, I'm not sure how I'm supposed to feel here. Am I supposed to want them to be together? Is she the bad guy? Is she the antagonist or something? I don't know. Like, what what am I supposed to feel? Because I'm not sure what I'm supposed to feel here. Um, As you said, you got the records and all this stuff and he's like, this isn't jazz, this is shit. Um, And then the next bit, you've got them in the bus. This is where you see Artie, who is a character um, later on in Sopranos and he talks about uh, Vesuvio in the restaurant, which is what he does in the TV series. And then they smoke a cigarette. And if you look at the cigarette, it is the fakest looking cigarette. I think, I think it's actually a vaping cigarette. It is the shittest cigarette ever. And anyway, they go into Holston's. Holston's has some relevance because that is where the entire Soprano series ends in Holston's, if I, if I remember rightly. And someone might pick me up on that. So there's some relevance to that as a location, but you're kind of like, you know, whatever. Um, and now we kind of cut forward in time. Johnny's coming home. As you said, June's like, oh, you know, whatever. And then I love this bit. Johnny comes back and Olivia is like, oh, right. You know, oh, it's so great to see you. I love you. I've dressed up all nice. And he's like, what do these black people do <laughs> living down the road? And she's like, well, what do you want me to do? And this is kind of what I felt a bit weird about as well. And he's like, oh, here we go. And all that. And I'm like, what are they arguing about? <laughs> Why has he been like, he's been away for like fucking whatever it is, like, 10 years or something. And that's the first thing he says to his wife is just, there's black people living in the street and like, it's her fault or something like that. And I was just like, this is just purposefully been, he's already had this conversation with June on the way over anyway, and blamed him for it. And I was like, they just wanted to have like some kind of conflict. They literally were just like, they need them. Yeah. They just literally were just like, we need him to, we need them to argue about something. It's this big jubilant moment. We need them to argue something straight from the off because, and just to show that, they're like a bad family or whatever. They have a bad relationship, but you have chosen something which is, it could have been something like, Oh, you got rid of my chair or something like that. It's like, Oh yeah. Like a reader. It's like my dad, my father, you know what I mean? It could have been anything rather than a repetition of the, of what we've just said. Yeah. Um, And what do you think about, let me ask you as well. A lot of people complained that this film was very woke. That It was too woke. And I'm using <laughs> using little bunny ear um, things there. Um, I don't really know what a woke film is apart from something that's kind of dealing with current issues yeah. um, at the time. But um, I guess when people say that it's like woke, they can mean it as in like, oh, it's trying to be PC. But also I always think if it's exploiting perhaps something uh, current affairs basically for um do you know what i mean like there's something exploitative yeah. about it is what i'm trying to say yeah uh, i didn't get an impression apart from what we've already discussed in terms of um the riots and things like that i didn't think of it's a particularly woke film and i don't even really know what a woke film looks like i think um like i said earlier it feels cynical so maybe in your terms i mean exploitative because it's raising these things in a way that I feel like it's trying to score brownie points rather than seriously address them. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's like we've got a character who's bad and he doesn't like black people. 
Mm. Um, and then later on, it's like you see the uh, Harold buying house and moving in, and it's like big tick. Mm. Um, it all feels it feels very much pandering. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I agree. It's, um, yeah, I just don't, I don't see the relevance in any of it, to be honest. So you like see, you said, this could have been, they could have made that film and told that story really, really well. Mm. Um, and they chose not to. They chose to use it as dressing. They chose poorly. <laughs> Indiana Jones reference there. Um, so now you see Michael Gandolfini, who's Tony Gandolfini's son. He's all like dressed up. He's been a bit weird with Dickie. Um, you can see like his mum, his mum's turned out to a hundred. The woe is me, the victimness um, or whatever, the martyrdom I should say, and all that for, for a fairly you know, good reason. But you kind of, she's like turned out to 11 basically. And you can see like Tony's a little bit like, oh, this is really awkward. I don't know what to do, which I thought was good because it made it, the awkwardness that you feel and the fact that you're seeing Tony you're kind of setting that context in your head for later on when you know when he's sitting having those um, chats in the TV series that these are the kind of things that it all stems from. Um, I mean, that makes a lot more sense now to me because all of this seemed very strange, Mm. especially the conversation a little bit later where she's going, oh, doctor said I should have these pills and so I got rid of him and, and he's really taking an interest in the pills and... He goes to Dickie and is like, will you talk to my mother about taking the pills and the pills and the pills and the pills? And I'm yeah. just like, well, what is this weird little angle now that's being pursued? And I again, it gets that, dropped. And, yeah. yeah, it just gets dropped. I think with that is that as if like there's a lifeline that she could actually have gotten help. That, yeah. That she actually, maybe she could have taken the pills, she would have got better and maybe Tony wouldn't have turned out the way he is. Yeah, exactly. like so if you, if you know the character, yeah, if you know the character from The Sopranos and where that character's mm. going to go and everything, then all of that, yeah, kind of makes some sense, I think. And maybe it's quite cool to kind of go, oh, yeah, oh, what a shame. And that's the genesis of the character. And, mm. But so uh, yeah, I was just I mean, like, I like, what the hell is that? Feel- What's this now? Yeah, I mean, that was weird. I mean, I like the idea that it's like, because there's a thing like where later on he tries to hide that he takes drugs and, soprano- and drugs, um, medication, well, and drugs, but like medication in um, Sopranos. And all that. And his mother sees it as a weakness. And that's kind of started to ingrain in him that it's a weakness and all this. So it's kind of sowing the seeds for something that you already know has happened to a degree. But I, I liked the visualization of this very happy, timid looking woman basically on the front compared to like Livia. But that's, that's a good scene that kind of comes up later. But at this dinner scene, when Johnny's come back, this is where you see baby Christopher. And then he's like, oh, it's like he doesn't even uh, like me or whatever. And the old woman is like, they can see into the the death. They come from another world or something like that. And he's like, oh. And I was like, oh, God, that's so lame. It's basically being like, he knows you're going to kill him because he's a baby and he has some kind of, it's like, fuck off. Yeah. Fuck off. That is so shit. That is so lame and cringe. Like, why say that? Just have him like cry and that's it and just fuck off. Yeah. Oh, it's because he can see to the other side because he's a baby. Yeah, I get it. If you just had him cry and go off, then it's like you can be like, because he killed him. No, got to nail that fucking point home because you're all idiots. It's like, whatever. Fucking oh, that's terrible. Me off. 
It's so shit. And then you've got this, um, I quite like this bit where they have the, um, the, um, how do I put it? Like this poetry reading thing, like black beat poetry kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah. And I quite like that bit. And I like, it's like, you know, it's kind of showing how, uh, there's a cultural side to it that he's kind of, you know, he's digging and all this stuff. He's enjoying it. Um, and he's kind of, it's not just the violent side of it, basically. And I think that's quite important that it's not like, oh, we're rioting and all this stuff. It's like, there's a, there's a side of it that's not just about that. It's also about, you know, the kind of art movement. Do you know what, am I getting, do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. It is a bit cheesy though, because I think there's a little, like a little bit of the, um, what's it, the, is it Gil Scott Heron that, uh, yeah, the, um, what's it, like the revolution will not be broadcast or whatever it's, I can't right. remember what it's called. You hear a little snatch of that. Um, but I suppose, you know, they've only got so much time to kind of get that across. So it's, yeah, it's kind of like he's fallen into this like beat movement sort of thing, the late 60s, mm. social rights. And he's into the, yeah, he's into the right side of it as well, the empowerment side. And there's a bit of an awakening. Yeah, exactly. And I think it kind of needed that because they've already kind of, he's a bit of a thug, basically. We already know that. Um, but now he's like, you know what? I think we're going to do our own thing. That kind of inspires him to like, and you're like, okay, cool. So I'm thinking, cool, this is building up. This is building up. He's going to like rival Dickie now and all this stuff. But keep in mind, at this point, you are halfway through the fucking film. You're halfway through. This should have been in like the first like 20 minutes. Like yeah. why, like if that, why is this happening an hour in? Oh, it just makes me sick. And so the next scene, look at the cigarette smoke in this next scene. I think it's Janice. It's like, it looks fucking terrible. Um, and yeah, they're watching TV. I don't know if there's any relevance to what they're watching or not. I don't know. And then they all go around and basically they go see Harold um, and yeah, I can't really remember what's supposed to happen in this scene, but again, there's that little bit of flirtation between him and um, the wife and they have a little chat. I think it's just a bit like, I think Dickie's starting to get a sense of what he's starting to do or something like that. I don't really know. And then, and then we go off on this tangent where she's trying to, the wife is trying to buy some beauty salon or something. Yeah. And it's like, okay. And they have like a little chat about it. And then she's like, yeah, cool. This beauty salon is great. And then he's like, oh, I don't know if we should do it. You know, she's like, you're trying to stop me. You're trying to stop me doing everything. Like, fuck you kind of thing. He's like, you know what? I'm going to go home to my wife. <laughs> so I was like thinking, okay, so is that important? Like they've had a little argument. This would be a scene in a TV episode yeah. uh, that epi- where that episode is about the salon. I don't know what the salon's got to do with anything apart from the fact that it's like she wants it and he's, you're not even sure why he's not really giving it to her. Like he's like, Oh, I just can't do it right now or whatever. And she's like, you're purposefully trying to like stop me. And it's like, okay, the only thing I can see this serving is that they want to get it to a point where she's pissed off with him so that she can sleep with Harold. Otherwise don't really know why this scene is in here. And I don't really know why they need to set it up so that she sleeps with Harold because Harold is never really seen as much of an enemy until you realize that it's coming background and they need him to do that so that he can, Dickie can kill her and they have a bit of drama. Do you know what I mean? It's like having all these like boring plot points to get to something yeah. exciting. It's like, well, it's not exciting. I don't really understand how you got there. It's weird. 
Um, um, it was stupid all that. And then you've got the ice cream scene. I still don't understand what this is. They nick an ice cream van and then to give out all the ice creams. Oh, man, this was weird. I just, okay. What was this about? I was like, I'm still trying, I'm trying to get a grip on this Tony character myself. Yeah, it's like a Robin Hood thing. Something. So I'm like, yeah. yeah, well, I'm like, he seems kind of like, you know, all right, decent, decent enough. And he's kind of, you know, looks a bit gawky and all this. And then you see him acting like a thug here. Yeah. Um, and just a dick. And, yeah. But at the same time, he's got this like goofy look on his face the whole time. Woo-hoo. And um, <laughs> yeah, and then it's like, oh, actually, it's just a bit of kind of fun because actually they're just hijacking it to give out free ice cream. But at the yeah. same time, he's just like. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. It doesn't make you warm to the character because you're like they seem like dicks. Yeah, well that's it. I was just watching it going. Uh, maybe this is like a side hustle he has. He like sells the ice cream, super fucking cheap or whatever, um, gets the money, fucks off, which is basically what they do in, a, in an extortion racket or whatever. They'll take over the shop. Um, they'll kind of get in, they'll take it over, they'll bleed it dry. And, you know, and then they just fuck off and they leave someone being bankrupt. And that's I thought, oh, this is cool. They're going to do it on a smaller scale with an ice cream van. Sell the ice cream dirt cheap take that fucking money, sell off whatever they can, maybe sell the van even, take the money and fuck off, go. And you got a whole bunch of cash for fuck all, basically. But no, they're just trying to make him endearing. I don't know. It's weird. Like He's, he's giving kids... It's like that um, there's a trope, which is like um, the save the kitten thing or something like that, where it's like in a, in a movie or anything, um, you have to have them save a kitten. And that doesn't mean literally... That's just saying that if you want someone to be a hero, you've got to have them do something heroic, like a heroic deed, something nice that will make the audience root for him and realize he's actually a nice guy. And I was like, this is what this is doing, surely. Like, but he's not, it's not like saving a cat, but it's like, 
because he still stolen something, but this is like a Sopranos version thereof of it or something. I don't yeah, know. I suppose weird. that's what they were going for, but it really didn't work for me. I no. just like I hate these. I hate him. It just seems really annoying and stupid. Yeah, he is annoying in this. Yeah. Um, the next bit is a bit of Sopranos um, history, basically. There's a episode where um, Janice tells, um, uh, well, the rest of the family, basically, how Uncle June was in a car with his guma and Johnny pulled a gun on Livia and shot her through her beehive. But the way that she tells it is that Livia was just being annoying and it was like a bit funny. Um, but there's something like dark and horrible about it at the same time, which is kind of works into Sopranos and to be honest, works into the entirety of Sopranos. And here they show the actual scene and it's not June for a start, it's Dickie. Um, and here it's like, I don't know if it's supposed to be funny or not. It's um, when he shoots her through the beehive thing. Cause she I is a bit like. I didn't think it was played for laughs this. But that's what I mean. It's and I think there's an element where, like John Bernthal, whatever his name is, um, he plays Johnny Soprano. He Johnny Soprano in the Sopranos was kind of gay, like in the flashback scenes, everything was kind of seen a bit like Tony in a sense of he's a bit cheeky. He's a bit of a cheeky lad. Like he's kind of like, oh, whatever, you know. Come on. Whereas John Bernthal plays it like he's a fucking psycho. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not done, it's not done as a cheeky chappy kind of thing. He's like, he's like, I'm a fucking serious gangster. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why something like this scene, if it was like the cheeky chappy type, might have come across as more lighthearted like it did when Janice was saying it back in the original Sopranos. But because it's John Bernthal doing it, it feels threatening, more dangerous. Yeah, it was nasty. Yeah, and there's yeah, something really a bit scary about it, which I don't yeah. think was kind of the original intention. I don't know, whatever. Um, it's weird. So the next scene, out of nowhere, Harold's fucking the um, mother, um, his stepmom or whatever, the, his new wife, girlfriend, whatever. Um, and it's a bit like, okay, how did that happen? Like what, what brought it to this? Like because all they've ever done is nod at each other, just look at each other. Yeah, like they've they've had no interaction. I don't even know how they get a hold of each other. Just comes from out of the blue. Um, it's weird. It's, it's just there's no lead up to it. It's just like oh, okay. It's an excuse for um, some some tits, basically, as well. Yeah, she's doing it to like piss Dicky off. But then that's the thing as well is that I don't know. Like, is, I was thinking, is it because she thinks Dicky's racist? Is it because he worked for him? Did she actually fancy him? And she's wanted him you know because they've kind of set it up that it's a kind of revenge thing more than anything because of the yeah. hair salon yeah um yeah she's quite manipulative and she says something doesn't she that i think she says it to be provocative mm. dicky says that none of you people have a head for the business side of this or something you know you'll never be successful that's right. Yeah. So she's just poking the, poking him and stoking the fire. Yeah. That kind of gets him going. And that's good, actually. I forgot about that. That's yeah. a good piece of it. And that kind of leads on nicely to the next scene, which is basically where the um, Italian guy comes in and is like, oh, I'm here for my money. 
And then Harold, I think, I think it says Harold is just like, um, you're not going to pay him anymore. You're going to pay me. And then goes outside and shoots the Italian guy in the head who we've only seen once at the funeral. So it doesn't really matter that he's dead because we don't know who the fuck he is anyway. Um, and I was like, okay, here's some gangster stuff. This stuff should be happening every like five minutes or something like that yeah. to keep it going. You know, yeah. it's like, why is this taking so fucking long to get anywhere? Um, so yeah, then he has this little chat and he dreams about being the baseball coach. Everyone's going, wow, well done, you're great or whatever. And then that's when he kind of realizes he's by himself. And as we, we've already kind of gone over that, it's a bit of a yeah. weird, bit of a weird scene. Like he didn't realize, like, what the fuck is he doing there? If the other guy, <laughs> if the other guy's not even sitting there. Um, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Anyway, they take the mate of um, Harold and this is kind of like where they torture him a bit. This bit's pretty cool where they put the thing in his mouth and yeah. um, his teeth get all smashed up and spat out and all this. And um, I thought, yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty good. Yeah, this um, is fun, finally. Yeah, exactly. A bit of, you know, a bit of violence there. Um, and then and then again, we've cut back to Tony, and I don't really know why. They're talking about Tony and his schoolwork, and he's like, I oh, don't you know, school, whatever. And she's like, you could really make something of yourself, kid, or whatever. And Livia is a bit like, I'm parked on a fire hydrant, make this quick. She's like, I think, you know, Tony could do well. And she's like, oh, whatever, like he's, like he's nothing. He's you know he's an idiot or whatever. Um, she couldn't give a shit. She's more worried about getting in her car and fucking off, basically. Um, Harold finds out his mate's dead, um, and he's like, oh, I'm going to do something about it. So now at this point, I'm like, okay, things are getting going. I'm an hour and twenty minutes into the movie. The movie should be coming to an end. It has just started. <laughs> it's just happening. Fuck. Um, and they're all coming out of the club and anyway, there's basically a drive-by um, that kind of goes wrong. And then this bit, this next bit, I really liked. And I thought, oh, this is going to go somewhere now because Dickie runs back into the club, he gets a gun he, and then there's this kind of like cat and mouse, cat and mouse game a little bit. Well, this is it. Yeah, this, this is what we've been anticipating, isn't it? We've, we're going to get this showdown between Harold and, and Dickie. Things have come to this head. Um, mm-hmm. Although it's kind of... Suddenly it's come quite quickly now at this point. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is exciting. But it's just over. Really, yeah. It's, it's like, I thought this should have been the climax yeah. of the film. And it should have yeah, been extended. Kill the other. Yeah, it should have been extended. And there's and this is a bit I don't get, so maybe you can explain it to me. Is that they kind of shoot out or whatever and then there's a big hole in the wall and then Harold points his head through, sees it's Dickie and then walks off. And I'm like, but they knew it was each other. Yeah. Didn't they? Like, why are they not, why have they let the other one go? I, I, don't I Honestly, I don't, I don't understand it. I don't get it. No. Oh, why, I didn't know. why are you shooting well, at each other? Then? Yeah. Well, well, wasn't he slightly interrupted Harold by the arrival of, no, the police or something. Police or something. So he just yeah, kind of like looks through and thinks, "Not now. Live to fight another day." This. Yeah, but it's like it's a second. Take a second, and I don't get it. I just didn't get it. I was just like, "Oh, just, the way it kind of looks, it looks like they just realised who it was." Yeah. And no. Like, okay. I think they knew. It's just. It feels like a cheap drama convention. 
Yeah, they should have. That that could have been the, like the cool finale or something. Like the streets on fire, literally. I don't yeah. know, whatever. Especially because we've got had like a few people killed, so it really feels like okay, we've, we're ratcheting up to the, uh, the the end here. Yep, and then it slows right down because now we're going to watch Tony eat a sandwich and try and tell his mother <laughs> to like go see a therapist. And like the con- this conversation itself, I'm not against. But I was just like, why is it happening now? Why is it happening here? Why is it happening at all? Like it makes absolutely zero fucking sense mm. in terms of the film's plot. It's not about Tony. As you said, if Tony was, if this was the fall of Dickie through Tony's eyes, that would make sense. Why the fuck are we seeing Tony apart from the fact that it's like, here's young Tony talking with Olivia. It's like, I don't, this makes absolutely no sense for the film. This, this is like two films smushed into one. I don't know yeah. what it is. Um, and then, yeah, soon you've got him falling down the steps and, um, and all this and everyone laughing. And Tony gets a little bit of the taste of these speakers that Dickie gives him and he's a little bit like, you know, this is just a little taste, but don't, you know, you know, this, you know, he doesn't kind of want him to get into the life too much or whatever. Um, and then you've got June trying to have sex with his wife and he can't, which we've kind of discussed. Um, and then you've got this scene, which is um, Harold going to... Um, it's, uh, quite a famous gangster though I can't remember his name but it's the American the Ridley Scott film American Gangster this is who Denzel Washington played if I remember rightly um, and yeah basically being like yeah I want to be like you I want to be a successful black gangster basically um, and do what you're doing and this guy's like okay like you know go for it I'll you know I'm all for it here's a gun do what you want kind of thing um, he's like okay cool so you're like I'm like okay this is this I feel like this should have happened before. Yeah. We just had like why is why have we reset? We've reset everything. Exactly, that we're is not, exactly what I was about to say. It's a reset. Yeah, and it's weird, reason. and we're like, yeah, exactly. It's so it's very fucking weird. But at least we're like, okay, we're back on track for this this story. That yeah, at this point, this is the kind of story that you can actually kind of latch onto and, and maybe make some sense of. And he's even kind of like, he offers him support, doesn't he, in doing it. And Harold's kind of like, maybe this is something I need to do on my own. You know? And he's like, yeah. okay, cool. He's going, you know, yeah, he's got purpose. Yeah, exactly. Like there's a mission or something, there's something happening. And then it slows right down again because Dickie's now on some vacation with the Italian woman whose name we can't remember. Oh, yeah. He gets sex with her in the bathroom just because they need to have some kind of more sex in it to make it seem more adult doesn't really serve a purpose to anything apart from no. the fact that they're back in love or whatever. And then you can see it's all lovey-dovey and you're just like, I'm watching it going, this is so cheesy because obviously this is going to end badly. Like there'd be no reason they're making this so lovey-dovey if it wasn't about to just fuck up in a second. Um, and that's exactly what it does. She's just like, he's like, oh, I'll get you the salon. And she's like, I need to tell you something. I slept with Harold. And he's like, what? <laughs> he kills her drowns her in the ocean and then her body just disappears immediately, which I thought was quite interesting. Quite convenient. Um, yeah. It's just like, oh, I'm going to kill you in the ocean. And this whole thing, I was like, it feels so washed out in terms of the coloring. I was like, it doesn't like, it feels like a cheap movie again. Um, it yeah. doesn't look right. It looks like someone like the person who did the grade on it. It looks like they just slapped on a filter and not really, not 
did anything to it. I don't know. It's weird. Tony's blissed out listening to the music and all this stuff. I don't, again, I don't really know what that's proving apart from the fact that thank you for my speakers. <laughs> I think there's little things like this that kind of showing him as an, he's a normal teenager. Um, yeah. yeah okay. which I'm kind of, again, not knowing the Sopranos or the character he's going to become. I think I was like, this really feels like they're trying to, well, it feels like they're trying to give you something as a fan. Mm. Like, look at, look at him when he was just, you know, just a teenager, a normal teenager, just enjoying some music. And, uh, you know, and he's kind of like, I don't want to take these speakers because they're hot and I'm trying to be a good guy. Um, mm. And so now here he is, he's got them, but he's kind of being, yeah, like, you know, just a normal guy and he's, he's on a bit, a bit of a path to righteousness. Yeah, exactly. Um, Dickie has another chat with his uncle and he's basically like, my wife died <laughs> or my girlfriend died or whatever. And he's like, oh, that's weird. Like, why does yeah. everyone keep dying? Yeah. Um, and then this next, I don't remember how it ends. I can't, I think he's just like, you know, oh, that's it. He's like, you know what you could do for Tony? Just leave him alone. No, oh, yeah. stay out of his life or whatever. And I remember thinking, how the fuck does he know about Tony? Like, he's not talked about him that much, but okay. Um, because it's him. Because it's his it's manifestation of his dad and it's just him talking to himself and his guilt and... Yeah. yeah. So he realises at this point, let me, let me, let me, let me do something about this. Right. I'm right, leading right, him right. astray. I get it. So... Then this next bit confused me a little bit as well. So we see Carmine, who I believe is supposed to be Carmine from The Sopranos, I'm guessing. Um, he's the New York boss, or becomes to be the New York boss. And he sees Harold at a restaurant, and we think, okay, fuck, here we go. He's he's found him. He's going to pass it on. Dickie's going to go get him. This is where it's all going to kick off. And then we cut to Tony on the phone, and we see Carmela, a young Carmela, He's just some young blondie. And we see Tony just trying to be like, I need some beer. Where's Dickie? I need some beer. And this is the whole thing where it's like, why doesn't Dickie just turn around? Why is, instead of ignoring him, just say like, dude, I think we need to spend some time apart because I am like in some messed up shit. Like what, on what earth does he think? I'm just going to not talk to him and ignore him. Is that going to be better or whatever? It's fucking weird. Yeah. And then, like you say, these scenes to kind of make the point really labour it, and we get this sort of silly teen kind of drama stuff. Well, yeah, and again, yeah. Like, even this phone call, even this phone call, it's a double up. You only need one. You don't need him to do two. You don't need him yeah. to call Dicky and then call home, and then Dicky say, "Get off the phone." You don't need it. Just make it the one. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. <sighs> It's weird. And then he like, and then you see these little spout, the spout of violence. And I think this is one thing, Chris, and a lot of people liked Mando, Michael Gandolfini's performance, but I think it wasn't that great. I think he does sound like him. He does look like him. But Jim Gandolfini, when you watch Sopranos, like Jim Gandolfini feels threatening. And it's not just because of his size, or whatever, but like there is like some bite to everything he says. And you can see behind his face, there is an anger and an evil and vindictiveness that I imagine Jim Gandolfini has, can tap into and probably has in himself. But I don't feel like this Michael kid has. So when he's pretending to be a tough guy, I'm like, he's acting like he's trying to be tough. 
Whereas when Tony did it, it's, you can, it's like, it's very hard to describe. It's like, there's a constant fucking rage and all you need is a little, little push or something like that, but it's always there and you can always feel it and sense it. And he's like, and he's going to fucking blow at any moment and you don't know when it's going to happen or what he's going to do. And there's that Michael Gandolfini to me just doesn't have that. Yeah, kind of what I said at the beginning of one of the stories they're trying to tell seems to be him and his development into into that character. And I, I didn't feel it was done successfully because it's just not convincing. No, it's you, not. They, they pepper this little arc with a few events like this where you're like, ooh, he's got that spark of anger and violence in him. But it, yeah, it doesn't resonate. You don't feel it. I didn't believe it. No, um, not at all. And I think the final scene with him as well, where it's meant to be, I don't know, maybe he's like so grief stricken and angry that he kind of like turns a corner and becomes, you know, goes from the boy to the man or something. But mm. again, he doesn't really convey it very well. He just kind of like screws his face up a bit. Yeah. Well, this is it. It's, I don't know. And this is, we're kind of coming into the sprint to the end. Yeah. And I, it's still, it's like, it's still trying to establish a narrative. Yeah. Still trying yeah. to establish a story, a plot. Yeah. I'm just like, this is, it should be coming to a conclusion. We should be in like the third act of whatever this is. Yeah. I, don't know what's going I was on. looking, I was like, there's only 10 minutes of this left. Yeah. Where's this going? Cause it's like, nothing's happened. Um, and that's the thing. So like still comes into Dickie and he's like, Tony's outside, you know, you should talk to him, whatever. Like you can't just ignore him. And then Dickie basically cries and it's like, and I was thinking, what is the, and maybe you can help me with this, but what is the inner turmoil? Why is he crying? Is it because he's crying because he, because the kid loves him and that he's upset because he thinks he's going to lead him into a bad life. That's probably the most likely. Yeah. Um, I just didn't really understand why he put himself in this position that he just couldn't sit down and have a chat with him about, which is where this is leading up to. Cause it leads up to like, okay, we'll go have a talk at this place. It's like, why didn't you do that from the beginning or over the phone? Why have you, done, why have you done this really weird thing of just ignoring him when it's like, he clearly like looks up to you or whatever. Um, Again, this is just where it doesn't, it hasn't paid off. They haven't put in the work for this to feel like an, you know, it's got some emotional meat and impact behind it. Cause I think this is meant to be him coming to terms. You know, again, it's just like a convention of these types of films done very well with the Godfather. Mm. It's that moment where he's like, God, I've really screwed everything up. You know, I killed my dad. I've now killed my uh, mistress. What have I become? Mm. And I'm a terrible uh, role model. Yeah, terrible but I person. don't know anything. Even at this point, I don't know anything about Dickie. It's, exactly, that's it. I don't know anything about him. I don't give a shit if he's upset or not. I don't. I've spent a whole two hours with the guy or whatever, and I literally don't know anything about him or what he wants or what he tries to do or what he would <laughs> like or what his inner battles really are. What's his? What's his? I don't even know what he does. <laughs> I don't, know. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. He's a bingo caller. Where's he trying to get to? Exactly. He's a fucking bingo caller. He, he, he kills people every now and then. He has these uh, flouts of 
violence. <laughs> like, what yeah. is going on? They didn't ask. This, yeah, this is a big emotional scene, exactly. And like Tony, I mean, there's this thing, right? There's a theory about how Tony is actually gay in Sopranos. And people point out loads of stuff throughout the entire fucking series that points towards. I think it's not, maybe, I mean, I don't know, like whatever. I, I enjoy reading people's interpretations into stuff anyway. Um, masculinity and um, home, uh, what, how do I put this? Um, homoerotic kind of stuff is kind of prevalent through um, Sopranos, to be honest, like what it is to be a man. Um, and, you know, the fact that like there's a whole episode where it's like um, licking pussy basically makes you gay and all this kind of stuff, even though it makes no sense. Um, and as I'm like watching this, I'm thinking, is he literally, does he fancy his uncle or something like that? Cause it's like, he's like, he's like a little schoolgirl with stuff like this. Um, and they're so touchy feely as well and whatever. And I was thinking, you know what? That would be a great twist. Him and his uncle, <laughs> he's, he's not really his uncle, by the way, like they're not blood related or whatever. Like there was maybe this weird homosexual and he'd be like, oh, but it was like a kid. Maybe he was abusing kid Tony. Maybe that's why kid Tony grows up to be such a fucked up piece of shit um, and all this stuff, uh, blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying that's the case. They could have done that, saying, right? They could have done that. And I'm just saying when it seems like he's asking after um, Dickie and all this and he's getting really fucking upset and he threw his speakers out the window, whatever, and his dad's like, oh, what the fuck? Because um, we've like established that, he like, loved those speakers. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So this was but a I'm big, just, like... It was a big deal. It was a big deal. But I'm, there's that part of me, it's just like, why, like, is he that in love with his uncle? But also there's nothing that, there's, he hasn't, there's nothing that's proven that, apart from he was really close to him when he was a kid and he gave him some speakers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like so done anything for him. There's no, like, I don't know. It's just fucking weird. It's weird. There's no emotion um, in this film. That's the problem. All these things happen where you're like, you can recognize, I think I can see how I'm supposed to react to this, but nothing, nothing makes emotional sense. Exactly. It's poorly made. Yeah. And that's it. And then it's like, oh, okay. And I think like Seal comes up, he's like, you should do something about it. So I'll tell you what, I'm going to call him. We'll have a little chat or whatever. Sounds great. And then we get to the big part of where Dickie gets shot. Now in Sopranos law, um, depending on who you ask in the show, it's that he was carrying a crib for Chris back into like at Christmas um, into the house. And mm -hmm. basically, so the whole um, setup in the Sopranos TV thing, there's a whole episode basically where the, the relationship between Tony and Chris is weird, but Chris is starting to like, deviate a little bit from the path of what Tony wants and he's starting to be a bit more a bit rebellious so what Tony does is he goes he takes him to a house uh, to a restaurant one night and says you know that cop there it's his leaving party there today he's the one that killed your father he's like oh I thought hey, someone killed my father or whatever he's like he's the man that pulled the trigger so the idea is that Tony is then like do what you want Chris basically breaks into this cop's house I think he's a little bit drunk and Ask the cop and the cop's like, I don't know what you're talking about, but ends up shooting the cop. And it's kind of ambiguous as to, no one knows for sure whether this cop killed Chris's dad or not, but Tony uses it 
as um, he, because his whole thing with Tony is very manipulative, obviously, but he uses it to kind of control Chris um, and be like, you know, I did you this big favor and blah, blah, blah. And Chris is very like, it's like, you know, thank you for giving me this present and basically showing me the guy that killed um, my dad. But I think you're kind of like any smart person would be like, I think Tony's making it up. <laughs> like, I don't think this guy killed your dad. I just think he wanted you to kill a cop. Um, but so anyway, that's always been ambiguous. So now we see it. Um, we see uh, Dickie get shot and he's taking fucking TV trays or something into the house, whatever the fuck it is. He gets shot so like nothing. And then you see that it was Uncle June that was kind of behind it all, um, which is a big deal for Sopranos fans. However, it makes absolutely zero fucking sense. They've literally just done little tiny hint there, there, there. This is the big thing. And it's like, you should have, you've not earned that. You've not earned it at all. I mean, they haven't earned it just in the context of this film, but I didn't realise it had an impact on the storytelling and narrative of the whole series. Yeah. Um, It's really poor. I feel like we get robbed of the uh, Harold Dickey dynamic storyline that we maybe have kind of recognised is kind of developing across this film. Mm. Um, And like I said, we get robbed of any kind of arc that Dickie's been on. Mm. because as I said his sort of downfall has nothing to do really with anything um, it's just a random occurrence it, you know essentially random mm. deus ex machina mm. oh he's just killed because he laughed at someone falling down the stairs um, exactly. it's, like, it's just so it's disappointing it's just it's, yeah it's totally crap waste yeah, of everyone's awful. time it's so bad. And then you've got Tony waiting at Holston's or whatever again. And there's a parting shot, which is him looking out a door as the camera tracks back. That is reflective of the last shot of the entirety of Sopranos, which happens in that same restaurant. <clears throat> and Tony looking at the door before it cuts to black. And that's the last time you see him. Um, so there's, uh, you know, I was like, okay, they're trying to do something here, but it doesn't really work, but fine. And then you've got this awfully Photoshop picture of Dickie as a sailor, which looks like it was done in about three minutes. It looks absolutely fucking dire at his um, funeral. Um, and then you've got, and this is how it ends. He holds up, he, in this weird like scene, um, he's got an open uh, casket. He holds his little finger up and Tony does a little pinky promise with him. A pinky promise. And that's the end of the, that's at the end of a Sopranos film. That's the music to the, the theme tune starts coming in and then it's like, oh, it's Tony Sopranos. Cool. And that's it. And nothing, nothing happens with anything. Then you've got the credits. Then you've got this like post mid credit scene where the, where it's like, oh, what happened to Harold then? Harold moved onto a street with a lot of white people and he's rich. The end. It's like, what? Yeah. The fuck? Terrible. What the fuck was that? What was it? I all that time building him up, building up his story. Wasn't even building get, it up. Well, no. <sighs> like Harold is it, of nothing. Well, that's well, that's it because they replace him 
basically in the storyline with the, the 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 bald bitter man with the bad back gets to do what he's meant to do. So then it's like, you know, we'll shuffle you off here into the credits and you get the suburban white American dream as your payoff. Certainly. What I love as well is that Christopher comes back saying like, and that's it. And that's Tony Soprano. And he killed me. And now I'm in hell. Damn it. The end. <laughs> I went to hell for that, man. I'm stuck in fucking hell, dudes. The end. Ah, <laughs> uh, Christ. That's just what he does. He's literally like, could you believe it? I'm in hell. <laughs> I know. And I'm like, I don't know who this person is still. I've got no idea. That's true, yeah. Yeah, who did he kill? I'm like, oh, it's about? that voice from two hours ago. <laughs> um. <laughs> and I'm dead. <laughs> who, is, who are you? <laughs> Fucking hell. Yeah. Yeah. You think he's going to... If he, like, killed the kid... If he killed Christopher Montesanti as a baby in some weird way, then you'd be like, oh, fuck, that's fucked up. Killed the kid. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, this fucking guy killed me. Like, no, no it's just, hey, you've got to watch the Sopranos TV series. See ya. So <laughs> many things just did not make sense. It's, um, it's, I tell you what, it's perfect for this podcast, really, because it is very odd. It's such it an is. odd film. I just think these people need to go back to, I mean, they, school. It's just, I was about to say school. I was like, yeah, no, they do need to go to school. Yeah. It's just like basic conventions of storytelling. Story, yeah. What's this, what's this? I cannot tell you what the story of this film is. I cannot tell you what it is. It's, I think I go to say it and I think, okay, it's Dickie against this Harold Gubb. It's not really, no, it's, it's about Dickie and his like dad's wife, but it's, it's not really, no, it's about, it's about Tony, Tony growing. No, it's not really about Tony growing up though, is it? But it's like, and I'm just like, I don't know what it is. I don't know what, what, what it's trying to say. Just a random bunch of it's like. Bizarre. Hey, did you ever you, said, you ever wonder what happened in OG Sopranos days? I don't know some stuff that we shot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's what it feels like. <laughs> it's like they uh, took like they took like a whole room of writers and went, "What's some scenes you might like to see?" Yeah. I mean, we'd like to see. Actually, you know what? Seeing Tony and Olivia have a bit of an argument, young Tony, that'd be good. Yeah, yeah. fuck it, I've just seen that. Tony, what do you want to see? Tony eating a burger. Tony eating a burger, yeah. On the side of um, mashed potatoes. It's true. That's the same happens. Like, what, do, what do you want to see? Oh, I want to see, like, um, I want to see uh, someone do some, uh, shoot someone in a car. Because uh, that's like some real gangster shit. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, do that, we'll do that. What do you want to see? Oh, I want to see, like, maybe it's like a wedding and it's, and everyone is there. What do you yeah. mean everyone? <laughs> I, I, like Paulie, Fat Pussy, Seal, uh, Dickie, Junior, Johnny, uh, Janice, they're all there. They're all there. I want to see, you see them all at this wedding. Cause that's, you know, that's, there's a reason why they're all together then. Sure. Let's do it. We're in. You know what I want to see? What do you want to see? I want to see that flashback we did in Sopranos when Johnny Boy got arrested. I want to see it again. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, yeah, we can, we can do that. Um, sure. 
you know what I want to see? Well, I want to see who shot Dickie Moltisanti. Okay, but it might actually be better left uh, uh, because it's kind of to do with Christopher's. No, I want to see it. <laughs> no, you don't. It's kind of better, isn't it? That it's like it plays into the Sopranos TV because you don't know whether Christopher or whether Tony's done it. No, 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 no. I want to know who did it. And that is of paramount importance because otherwise I don't know why the fuck I'm watching this film if it's not going to tell me anything new. Also, I've just discovered that black lives matter. So perhaps we should uh, have some of those in this film. Exactly. Yeah, there's someone there going, excuse me, got to make it relevant. (laughs) What the hell? Can't just be another mafia movie. Okay, cool, cool, cool. We'll have some riots in, but we won't do anything about it. (laughs) What do you mean? Nothing will come of it. They're just some riots and yeah, just whatever. Um, but what do you mean? It's more it's a metaphor. Uh, we've got to do more than that. Okay, okay, fine, fine, fine. I tell you what, black character. Um, he makes a lot of money and he gets really powerful. Um, and cool. See, so you know, it's a good thing. He's a strong black character. And he kind of he has his own journey. Okay, cool. So how does that fit into the film? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, do I have to think of everything? <laughs> He he works for Dicky. He works for Dicky. There you go. And then and then he doesn't. Okay. So do they have like a war thing? Yeah. You sure? Kind of. I don't know. Not really. I mean, let's see where it goes, and let's see where it ends up. Uh, but we haven't written an ending to this. Don't. It doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. I can imagine someone coming in as well. I've just seen this film Fight Club. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Because you don't Guess know what? if it's real or not. Real. <laughs> He's talking to himself all along. Yeah. They don't even make that. That's no. what's annoying with that thing with like, if they did that, that he's not real and that's supposed to be the actual reality of it, then, then end it on that. But you have another scene afterwards where he's back. <laughs> but also it doesn't, it wouldn't matter. The, the whole thing doesn't matter really, does it? Because ultimately it doesn't, no, but it, it doesn't really give you any further insight into him as a character or there's no payoff where he's going blah 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 blah. No. he just yeah. wants to like play baseball with kids or something like that I think it's it's just this will be cool because people people won't know and it's kind of a little bit mysterious and but it's not done in a clever way we've done it we've done a really clever narrative device here it's ham-fisted because it's even oh. if it's like even if it's not real even if even if it's in his head, how come the location is real? Maybe it's not real, Sam. Maybe that's well, maybe in his head not, as well. But then maybe that's in his head as well, and that is fair <laughs> enough. But then why why do it in that way? I don't know. I'm kind of getting I'm getting myself confused. <laughs> but in a sense of like I'm in an I'm in an unreal. This place isn't real. Okay this person isn't real. Okay. This person's disappeared because he's not real. Okay. But I'm still in this not real place. Okay. Yeah. So where are you? I don't know. Maybe I'm just asleep or something. <laughs> Who fucking knows? Who cares? Well, there was a point where I did think, is that where this is going? You know, when I said, I was like, shit, there's only 10 minutes left. Mm. Are they going to, are they going to do that? He's just going to wake up sweaty in bed and go, Oh, it was all a dream. Have and we done trade secrets in the film yet? No, well, <laughs> let's just put this in and people can decide whether it's a dream or not. I really think they're going to do that and then go back to the graveyard. So we're going to end on like, is it a dream? And then some voice from beyond the grave in the future 
these are going to add an extra layer. I'm in hell, like. motherfucker! <laughs> <laughs> See you in hell! Oh, God. Bitch! Christopher Mazzasade! <laughs> I'm in hell! Yeah, like, oh, so fucking I weird. Think, I think I, I like this film even less now that we've had this. Uh, chat. <laughs> yeah, that happens. That happens. I know how to uh, to kill a dream. But there are people out there who's just like, I thought this film was great. It's got it. It did well, and I'm just like, what fucking film were they watching? What were what they watching? Like, well. Has this been on at the cinema? Yeah. Wow. I just, so it's got, it was like it's got a like, Netflix exclusive or something. No, it's got like sevens out of 10 and stuff. Let's have a look. Even though this isn't really a review section, but let's, I'm going to press the, play the review sting. I hate it. I did hate it. Thank you. Um, so the tomato meter in Rotten Tomatoes, 75% makes it hit. Blimey. Audience score. Audience score, 58%. Um, <laughs> yeah, and basically a lot of people are saying the same thing. Sopranos fans would enjoy seeing younger versions of some of their favourite characters, but the story may confuse casual viewers while frustrating the faithful. Um, and yeah, people it's just saying, fun. yeah, it's really good, it's really powerful. Like, powerful? People, people comparing it to like Goodfellas. It's like, Goodfellas, if you watch Goodfellas, and that's about a two-hour film, Literally, it never fucking stops. It is like it is like two hours of cocaine. It's like constant. There's some points where, and I know Scorsese does this a lot, where like in a thirty second section, you may have about twenty different setups that have all taken time to undo everything. This nothing, and also with Goodfellas, is that it's a story. It's a very chronological story about how he wants to become a gangster and how that, and the journey of how he got there and the downfall thereof, where actually it's not that great. Um, yeah. And you're kind of getting to the place, you're getting to the point where he's actually telling the story. Um, whereas with Christopher, it's like, I'm in hell! <laughs> Stop saying that. Imagine, I was also thinking, imagine walking through that graveyard and just people constantly fucking talking. What <laughs> it must be like for some ghost talkers or mediums, whatever they're called. <laughs> oh my god, ever shut up. I've heard the story about a hundred times, what they're just gonna say it forever. <laughs> Jeez. I'm, I can't believe the critics have given this seventy five percent. They loved it. They absolutely loved it. Well, it just goes to show, doesn't it? They don't know what they're talking about. I don't know. Or well, yeah. Or they're told to say what they're meant to be talking about, blah blah blah. It's it's ridiculous. I'm trying to find. How can you say it was? It. What did you say? It was exciting. Uh, yeah, something powerful. Someone said powerful. I mean, yeah, it, it, that it was the most listless bag of unconnected scenes you can imagine spread across two hours. I mean, Chicago. Richard Roper of the Chicago Sun Times. Go ahead, arrange a sit down. This darkly funny and ultra darkly funny. I did not. There's not one fucking joke in that. An ultra violent film perfectly depicts the 1960s times of voices that shaped Tony into a made man. Does it? <laughs> <laughs> it didn't even really evoke the 60s all that much. I didn't think. I mean, it looked. It had the production design in a sense, of like all the props, the styles, and all this stuff. I was like, this is good. 
And they really spent some time on that. But again, they had that horrible sheen over the entire thing. Vanity Fair loved it. The creeping darkness of many saints of Newark has an effective build, an unnerving, nerving, pathetic portrait of past rot that would really only shift in clothing choices and locations to become the present tense of Sopranos. I don't know what that means. That might be because I'm too thick. Um, Glenn Kenny from RogerEbert.com. Uh, he didn't like it. Two hours of reach, exceeding grasp, a jumble of moments that often only toggle between the exasperating and the repellent. Gave it one and a half out of four. It's a bit better, isn't it? That's Los Angeles Times. Good. Los Angeles Times didn't like it. The Many Saints knew it might have played better as a limited series rather than a truncated, self-contained production with the potential for a deeper story to unfold over several impending episodes. And that's what I said. They tried to make it a fucking TV series in two hours and they didn't know what they were doing and they didn't know what to do with it. Yeah, that's what it was. And I bet the studios came in and went, we need more Tony. And they went off and they shot more Tony stuff and they put it in, even though it totally slowed the film down and pulled away from the story that maybe it was trying to tell at some point. Um, but yeah, I would like, there's part of me that thinks I'd love to like get the film and just do a re-edit, make a really tight 90 minute film out of what was there and have it build up. Um, bit more and change a few things around um because i think it's in there and i think it could be done and i think even if they shot a few extra scenes um they could they could maybe make it a bit better but um the way it is now god it's like a bloated corpse of uh, an italian woman floating in the sea that's what <laughs> he, can, he uh, can sink apparently straight away just gets lost to see i just like it's like and when i'm watching that i was like i think someone doesn't know how the sea works you don't just do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like our bodies just, don't just aren't just in the surf and then just disappear <laughs> under the water. They get washed up on shore. Literally, the sea pushes them. They will float and it will push them on the beach. Not just fucking. It doesn't suddenly just get sucked under and disappear forever. Like it's not like uh, they were in know. the middle of the fucking ocean. Oh, whatever. I it did know. look quite cool. Though. I don't think. I don't think. I thought it. I don't know. I think they were trying to like do like Dunkirk or something. I've no idea. <laughs> I don't know. They're looking at that. Going, that's some nice beach stuff. Uh, Let's copy some of that. Um, anyway, Dan, I think that. That's probably it for now. I think that's a great I'm place to end this. Yeah. yeah. The bloated corpse of a dead woman. Italian dead Italian I woman. Who so. maybe could sing a little bit of soprano. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, that's what I've got for that. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. I would say go and watch the TV series. Watch the fucking pilot twice. Do that. That's much better than watching okay. this fucking film. Maybe I will. Um, yeah, it's worth it. Still my favorite TV series. And I think you would, I honestly think you'd like it because it has got some bits, which I think you would genuinely find really funny. Cool. Okay. Mm. Well, maybe maybe we could do that. Maybe I'll watch the uh, first pilot episode and we could uh, do a little rundown of that. True. I cannot watch the entire series again, though. Having just, just one episode. It. Just one episode. <laughs> just warning you now. <laughs> um, yeah, nice. Okay, well, thanks for joining us, everyone. And um, yeah, peace out. We'll see you on the next one. Cheers, guys. Bye. <laughs>
movie, album, or game put on our list to discuss, then email us at oldcastpodballs at gmail.com or newwinterpodcast at gmail.com. This is part of a New Winter Podcast Network, so head on over to newwinter.net to check out our other shows. You can also follow us on Instagram at a new winter, Twitter at a new winter, and you can head on over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash a new winter. Thanks for listening, and see you again soon. 